welcome to the What's Up Podcast. Hello, everybody. Um, how are you doing this fine Thursday evening? I am joined with a very special guest, the one and only Sam Wagner. How's it going, Sam? It's going great. Um, Sam, uh, I mean, your accreditations are a mile long. It would take me 15 minutes to... to to rattle off all the things that you've accomplished, but um, you are a you are you have an associate's degree in electrical and mechanical engineering. Um, you have a, an associate's degree in business management. You no, also uh, training management. Training management. Yep. Excuse me. Uh, you are you are also you also have a, a degree in music business management. Minor a music business minor and a bachelor's degree in. Um, history from Valley City State University. So you are, uh, you would, what, I would call you a scholar of sorts, essentially. Uh, I like jack of all trades, personally. You are, yeah, I think that's that's pretty fitting. Um, uh, if you kind of, if you look at my work resume, too, um, like, I've done everything. Ag work, I've done factory work at Cargill, I've done, you know, you're like the Dr. Phil of, radio of the collegiate. Yeah. <laughs> but... Currently, we work yeah. together. Now you are an electrical technician. Yep. Uh, you are a production technician uh, at a software company with me. Um, yep. So that's that's how we know each other. Um, the, the reason that I wanted to bring Sam on today is because he is also, um, you know, you are affiliated and you are an administrator um, of the Roundtable NPL. And if you don't know what NPL means, um, why don't you tell the people what NPL is and what it means, Sam? Um, NPL is Nonpartisan League. Uh, we are looking to try to try and reform the Democratic Party from within. Um, a lot of people would probably would best classify us. Like, if you want to get in the Venn diagram of things, we'd probably be closest to Bernie Sanders supporters. But we're also looking at something a little different with what I'm trying to do for Roundtable NPL. We want to be pro- progressive yet accessible. Um, just to kind of give you an insight... Uh, some of our main highlights of our party in our first platform. of all, I, I got to I got to stop you right there. So, okay. I think uh, a lot of listeners to this podcast and I, I I dabble in politics and and everybody does now that social media is in your face every fifteen minutes you're almost forced to and there's yeah. the people that just don't understand it and they're they're like I can't handle the politics I I can't handle it anymore because they don't really understand what people are talking about and it all kind of seems people end up being when they don't have as much knowledge they tend to go negative before they go positive either side right uh, so. The the thing about the reason and one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on here is because through you know in work we've had some conversations where other people around us just weren't interested in having them and they almost seem annoyed by these intelligent conversations about real things. We live in the same district, me and you. You live in yep. you live in Castleton, North North Dakota, correct? Yep, District Twenty Two. Represent. That's right. You're a father of two, husband. Yep. Uh, you're also a National Guard member as well, right? Correct. And so, my wife is an educator. And as then well. your wife is an educator. So um, we we all we never have a lack of things to talk about at work. And I always feel like no. we either are too busy or people that are around that just aren't into what we're talking about. So that's why I wanted to bring you on here. And when you told me that you were a part of this NPL, I'd, I'd heard NPL, but I did not know um, up until about two weeks ago what N, the NPL was. Um, and that the nonpartisan league. So first yep. of all, what is a nonpartisan, essentially? In the essence, 1915. Ultimately, the nonpartisan league was started. Why don't you give us a, a little long, bit of history, yeah, actually? Was started a long time ago, back in 1914, by uh, Arthur C. Crowley is the name of him. And he basically had, um, we were basically trying to uh, get a party for the people. One thing, if you look back in North Dakota history, 
is that North Dakota history has long been farmers being exploited by the big businesses and the big railroads based on Minneapolis and Chicago, Minneapolis and Chicago. And the nonpartisan league actually was a response to this. And it grew unexpectedly into a party of over 200,000 people at its height in 1916. Um, we saw people like Teddy Roosevelt, um, a lot of our governors. They basically had a political stranglehold on the state of North Dakota for a good 30 years almost. And by seemed, when you say state of North Dakota, you're saying the farmers, essentially. Yeah, the farmers. And the interesting part about the Nonpartisan League was that they really uh, – it was candidates fighting over who could get the nonpartisan league endorsement. And if you got the nonpartisan league endorsement in those days, it was game over, man. Like your election was pretty much won if you got them behind you. So they were like the power force essentially. And yeah, yeah. Arthur, Arthur C. Townley, he was a failed flax farmer, farmer, right from beach, North Dakota. Correct. He essentially, right. And, uh, he was the one that essentially, I guess, uh, started, he started the movement. He, he, he moved to Canada, right? Yeah. And then he moved back? Or, yeah. Or it was actually and, adopted from Canada, right? Yep. And what was, uh, what was amazing about him was that uh, he was a showman of the time. Um, when he started out, he was basically recruited by the Socialist Party to try and you know, garner support for the socialist. At so the he time. was a socialist at the time. Yes. The so, um, the what, socialist is a, what is a socialist essentially for the people is a, like a commune. Uh, everyone, like yeah. if you could break it down, like, uh, uh, you know, um, the way I think of a, of a socialist is, um, you might the, offer a service yeah. instead of go to work every day. The or socialist or the socialists basically believe in using the government to basically benefit all of the people. Um, it's basically making sure that everybody has access to um, different services, different goods. Um, some of the re- some of the uh, remnants of the nonpartisan league that you'd see is like the State Bank of North Dakota. That's a very socialist idea in the se- that in the sense that it was basically a means to make sure that every farmer in the state of North Dakota could get credit, okay. which was a very big uh, problem pre uh pre nonpartisanly because um in the older in the times before that farmers couldn't get the credit that they needed to start their farms because the big businesses in Minneapolis wouldn't you know always sign off to it so by making a state controlled bank and by um making sure that it's accessible to all people in North Dakota then the farmers could get the credit that they needed and it to was finance their farms. And to this day, the bank of North Dakota still remains um, until 2009 when federal loans took over everything. You actually got all of your student loans from the bank of North Dakota as well. Okay. So and that's what that essentially that's what the NPL yeah. was, was, was a, it was a group. You could, uh, you could join into the NPL yep. in 1915 for $6 stake, yep. correct? $6. So, and, and, and it was, would send you a public, a publication and a pamphlet. And what he did was after he started getting fees and started getting money for the first time, um, Arthur was a showman. Uh, the first thing he did, he started investing in model T's like, and then he gave all of his, you know, lieutenants and, re- you know, recruiters 
Model T's to drive all over the state of North Dakota. But he didn't stop there. He bought planes like he would have. He was a showboater. Like, yeah. It was essentially modern marketing in 1915. Oh, yeah. Essentially, that's still that's still a marketing ploy right now. Yep. He would always put on a show whatever town that he went. That's and a, that's a, so that's that was that was part of that probably grew in that had yep. a lot to do with the size of the party essentially right because it developed from nothing. Uh, North Dakota, yeah. the NPL party was was born in North Dakota, correct? Yes, um, they easily had like it's very comparable to what we have today. A hundred years later, like the. Uh, party that they had was an extreme minority in their house and then it just grew into this force because they one found ideas that the people you know could grasp and be ready to accept and two had the political will and the fight to do it and were there struggling farmers that that so you you Essentially, what the what the party was created for. This is my understanding uh, after doing some research yeah. within the last two weeks. Is that um, it? Essentially, made programs to give farmers and agricultural businesses uh, essentially uh, sustain them. Yes. Um, um, essentially, enough. through the you know they were yeah. the uh, corporations and the larger companies were kind of starting to kind of zone in on everybody and they kind of yeah. essentially push them around, push them around essentially. Yeah. And that's why, and that's why it was, it was like, essentially it was a union, the farmer's union, yep. you know, farmer's union. Um, essentially, uh, it was just like a bunch of farmers that weren't getting treated well. The, however, however it happens with like, if there were markets back then, they were just weren't happy with the costs or what, um, what was the problem? Like what com- commodities were pretty low at the time. And then, uh, what also happened too was, uh, world, um, Townley was very good as well at uh, mobilizing the German-American uh, farmers as well, which were pretty big in North Dakota at the time, or like controlled a sizable portion of the uh, population. And the other issue that he had... So they were immigrants? Who, they were like German yep, immigrants? German who, immigrants, who were given, probably they second bought gen- land or probably second, second generation? generation first when- to second generation at that time. Um, a lot of the homesteading acts... For North Dakota, like you don't see North Dakota really getting populated until probably, yeah, the teens, maybe just a little bit after that. Like the last homestead acts in North Dakota and North Dakota was really late compared to like, you know, your Ohio's, your um, Indiana. uh, My family's been here since that time. Like Um, my great grandma, I, I live, my grandparents lived across the road. Um, from my grandpa's yeah. childhood home, from my grandmother's childhood home, um, and then my wife as well. Um, yeah. In Hoople, the Hoople Crystal area, her her the her uncle's farm right now sits across the road from her great grandparents' farm as well. So, yeah. I mean, our, this is our families. The people. I just oh, want to yeah. bring this. I don't want to. I don't want to side. I don't want to side rail you, but like no. the people that he's talking about are my great grandparents. Yeah, essentially all of our great grandparents. Yeah, of of, um, of native my, North Dakotans. Essentially, my great grandparents were more South Dakota, but. Um, yeah, That's but essentially, neither you know, here nor there. Yeah, but yeah I understand all around the area. So, uh, um, but, so then you're not in the club, but I'm in the club. Oh, yeah. my, you're talking about my grandparents. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. But no, to uh, to quickly answer your question here is that um, while the North or while the nonpartisan league was at its peak in probably 1914 to 1916, maybe a little bit after to 1918, and the thing that needs to be known is that. Um, one of the uh, unique traits of the North Dakota House is that they only meet biannually. Um, they uh, they meet once every two years, basically. 
And that's not normal? Uh, no. A lot of, a lot of uh, state houses actually meet all year. Um, and they're more similar to how Congress is. North Dakota, uh, we established a biannual Congress because of the fact that, A, farmers were, you know, didn't have anything to do in the wintertime. And if you look at the Congress schedule, it starts first of January. Like, they do a little bit of the pre-committee work in late December, but typically December's for Christmas and all of that. Then January to... Um, late April, maybe early May. So you see all of your representatives going back to do their farming too. Sure. So the, uh, and I never really yeah. realized there was such a, this is me, this is my journey to be more yeah. uh, aware, I guess, of, of politics and things like that in my area. And I never really, I never realized that agriculture and politics had such a, um, uh, you know, a, a tight knit or like a, a relationship. Yeah. I didn't realize the relationship essentially between agriculture and politics yeah. and just like oil and politics. Right. Essentially. Yeah. And in all reality, like until probably the 1980s, like let's face it, farming dominated North Dakota. And it really wasn't until John Hoven ran for governor in about 2000 that we really started diversifying the, the economy that we have today, you know? Yeah. It's, Agriculture still drives North Dakota. Oh yeah, agriculture still extremely huge. Oil, oil, I think is almost a little bit starting to eclipse that just because of the resources. But it went away. Had. But it went away. It went away yeah. the last two years. We've seen that firsthand. Uh, our family yeah. members within our own company. Anyone yeah. in North Dakota knows there's not a reach of North Dakota that's not affected by by the oil field. And oh when, yeah. And when when we've gone through a lull uh, in oil and and agriculture is still there. You know what well, I'm saying? Even agriculture commodity prices are at an all time low too. And some of the uh, some of the def or the budget crunch that you uh, heard talked about in the campaigning of the North Dakota elections last year. Um, a lot of this stems from the fact a lot of our budget shortfalls stem from the fact that we're not collecting the taxes and um, commodities that we used to because a they're not there and b the oil prices are falling so that we have companies losing as well and we actually they railroaded a uh, oil tax cut that luckily didn't trigger because um the way it's set up is that if oil production reaches x million barrels a year it'll actually trigger a tax cut where i think think it was 12% to 10%. So you're losing revenue there too. But North Dakota is not poor right now, right? We have a large surplus, no? Well, and that's the other thing that I never really got answered from all of my questions that I asked. Like, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I know the basics really well, but when you start talking about tax mills and levies and percentages and, you know, what it takes to get this and this and this funded, you know, I'll tell you right now, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not the smartest guy on that. It's not, it's not necessarily that you're smart. It's just that you have to be put in a real time situation with what are the, whatever organization or people that you surround well, yeah, yourself just with. Work it with, you have and, to just yeah. do it. Nobody woke up and is a good politician. Uh, you know, uh, we're, you're, we're in a, early thirties you're you're we're a similar age um yeah. you know this i'll be 34 I, this year yeah <laughs> i'm 32 um you know the the actual um i guess you would be the house leader of the npl democratic movement is uh is cory mock for north dakota yep. and i went to high school with him 
Um, I remember, um, I remember him from sixth grade on. That guy was one of the hardest working, most intelligent. Uh, he was much more mature than everybody. He he. Yeah. That guy was going places, and we knew yeah. it. Um, but that's not common. And for someone to be in his position at his age, yeah. I don't think that that's. You know, I'm saying you don't see too many people that are our age in that position. But I think that now with social media and it's kind of in your face, you kind of have to deal with politics a little bit. So that's why I think people are becoming more aware. And that kind of brings me to the point of like, there's a bunch of things I think that were yeah. that were instated when in the 19th, you know, in the early 1900s that just don't really af- don't necessarily carry over to how things happen today. So my question for yeah. you is, how has the nonpartisan league from 1915 molded uh, into a, a more of a, uh, you know, um, 2017 Facebook oriented type of party? Well, I think uh, the first thing that bringing back the NPL or the first uh, real catalyst for bringing back the NPL or even uh, wanting to bring back the NPL is the rise of Bernie Sanders. So the NPL um, went away. Um, we're kind of existent only in name only uh, about the only guy that I could really think of. That's true. NPL anymore is probably Lloyd Omdahl. Like, and I have no idea who that is. Like, yeah, exactly. And yeah. like, he's a, He's a remnant from the 1960s and, you know, basically old guy who writes columns in the forum every now and then. Like uh, my buddy Wes, uh, Wes Anderson, who uh, works in as the uh, Barnes County Historical in the Barnes County Historical Society. That's interesting. Um, when I actually went up to start talking to him about this because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get his input and I wanted to hear, you know if he had any history or any, uh, any insight on the NPL and he goes, ah, bunch of socialists and all that. And he goes, he goes, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna find those guys. Like you almost need a captive breeding program if you do find (laughs) those guys. So, um, but what we really want to look at is that, uh, with the Bernie Sanders progressive insurgency that we're seeing nowadays, um, one of the reasons that I believe that Bernie Sanders really uh, rose to power and really had um, a very big grasp on the millennials and the younger generation, like you could see that, couldn't you? Definitely, yeah. Um, there's definitely Bernie supporters. I, um, I don't think that you fit the mold, but there's and, a few of you. And I'll it's say, kind of weird that it's I'll, become almost taboo to say that, right? I'll I'll for say, me, um, you know, I'll say this with uh with Bernie. In some cases, it's like, I really like Bernie, but I don't always like his fan club. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, I do believe that some of the feel the burners uh, took it a little bit too far at times. Like I could Just see ignorance some, or what? Like echoing? It's, it's more along the lines of, I believe that Bernie Sanders um, made the same mistake that Occupy Wall Street did. You Occupy Wall Street was that big protest that was oh, in yeah. Wall Street. It was a mess. Um, and what killed me about that was that, okay, you did your protesting. You got everybody riled up. You got public sympathy. Like, I would say still to the most, to the most part, you had a favorable view of an Occupy Wall Streeter. And then 2012, where were they? 
No elections. No uh, no candidates that they brought up. It just lost momentum. It lost momentum, and then. But weren't the unions? Weren't the? Weren't, wasn't that? Wasn't there anybody behind the curtain when it was Occupy Wall Street? It wasn't. It wasn't essential. Um, what it seemed is is what everybody's saying, and and no, uh, the the hard part about this is is yeah. that um, you know I wanna. I want to dive into it. This is yeah. the, one of the more interesting topics yeah. that we've ever had on the What's Up podcast. I really, really want to dive into, but, you know, the, the I, I, I'm very interested yeah. in what you're telling me. But I'll, uh, I'll just put it to you this way. I'll, uh, I'll basically say like what the Occupy Wall Street, um, how I can compare it to the Bernie Sanders in a very succinct way is that they basically had an army of devout followers, but once they lost the, once they lost the main prize, i.e. Bernie becoming president. Um, why weren't you finding people at state houses? I actually read an article about a guy who was... Uh, What's a um, state house? The state houses are the... Uh, like the state legislators, the state. Oh um, yeah, like your the your local, the your local states, government. Yeah, your lo- the your people states, that talk your to the other Congress who works with the governor to pass laws. I think that it would be really really beneficial if you just gave us like uh, tell. Can you explain the do the the uh, how could we say this the uh, the pro- or the parts of government and all that exactly to an eighth yeah. grader sure so, oh, to, actually you know what to a fifth grader. Okay. Well, let's just uh, let's start out with the most basic. Okay. You got your local government. That's local your city government. councils, your mayors, and stuff like that. That's everybody in the town and within the county, yep. or is that actually Think just of, the town? Just the town, and okay. probably a little bit of the surrounding area. But then there's a county as well. Yep. So it starts with town. Yep. That's your mayor. That's your and that's uh, your city engineers. Potholes, your, city parks, and schools. Yeah. Like. Uh, your uh, uh, city council. Yep. Your city council. Um, they work with the police chief, you know, they're the guys who fund your levy. Or, and that's on a, that's yep. on a city level. Yep. The then we go to a county, county le- level. County level is typically where you don't really have, you know, you might have a county commissioner who will, you know, oversee how the levies of taxes that the entire county takes in. And then typically you'll see your judicial seats and that type of stuff. You do some, you do something wrong. You go see a county gonna, judge. Yeah. You're going to. As long as it's within the county and it's in, you know. What if there's uh, multiple towns within a county? There's multiple county judges. Nope. Then there's a county seat, and you a go there. Seat. Oh, um, okay. our county seat in Cass County, of course, is Fargo. Okay. Um, but like, so if, if you, you get arrested back, anywhere in Cass, in Cass yeah. County, you're going to Fargo yep. Courthouse. Correct. Unless you break a federal law, then you'll then be you going go to, to Far- a. F- then you go to probably Fargo or Bismarck, which to, would be federal court. Yep, to a federal court. Okay, so at, okay, so then now we're at county. But then no. what, then it would go to a state level. Then you go state house. You got basically your state house. So of state representatives, house, house of representatives. What's the difference house, between and your state senate? So what's the difference between house and senate? Um, house is typically supposed to be more of a lower. Um, it comes back from the days of parliamentary uh, of the parliament system in England where. Um, like, they have the House of Lords and the House of Commons. The House of Lords is where all the nobles and all those people so the House of would Lords gather is to make Senate, their laws. Yep. Essentially, and the yep. House of Nobles. And then the House of Commons. The House of Commons. Is your house. Is the house. Okay, so yep. that's, your, that's your everyday uh, uh, you know, elbow grease guys. Essentially, yep. a lot of farmers probably. Uh, you've got all types of people. Like, um, oh, essentially it could be anyone. It's yeah. just politicians that come from the people that come from a local yeah, level. Yeah, as long as you're from North Dakota. Um, we just had a referendum law saying that... 
and I didn't even realize that this was possible, but you have to be from the county or from the district that you uh, are trying to represent. Okay. And I didn't even realize that was an issue. So there's, there's <laughs> like, state districts and federal districts? Um, yep. Our state districts are basically uh, divided up. Uh, and I won't lie to you, this is where this starts getting complicated. Um, have you ever heard of the term gerrymandering? I have not. Well, yes, I've heard yeah. it, but I don't know what it means. Now, gerrymandering is basically a tactic that people use to um, try to game the legislative seats in your favor. Now, imagine, if you will, and I can somewhat draw this out for you, and I know this sucks for a radio. I'll, I'll take a picture of it and put it on. Um, but say... You got a large city here, large population. So Fargo. Yeah, large population. And then you got a bunch of surrounding area. Now, Castleton. Now, let's say, um, let's say that a bunch, a majority of people live in Fargo and you've got to put it into, say, five districts or something like that. Now, if you did it like this, let's say, you know, the population in here is really um, dense. dense and the rest of it's very sparse, but it has the equal population of one third of it. Say I put like um, one. Sorry. Remember, I'm, a, I'm a, a fifth grader. I got a bit of a peace sign going here. I'm but, a fifth grader. So you have to break far. Yeah. You have, so it goes well, by population. Say, if you go by population, you have to have you five. Go, you have to have five districts. Yeah, let's go. So the more people that are in a town, the more districts five. it has to have. Let's go five districts just to make things, just to make things right. Okay. Okay. So what you can do is this surrounding area, you know, has the same population as, as each one of the centralized dense city. So as Fargo has the same population of a f yeah. hundred mile radius around Fargo. But here's the thing. Now let's say Fargo is fairly democratic. Yeah. So now you got one, two, three, four Democratic districts in four, an area that's full guys. of Republican. That's full of Republican. Uh, you know. Well, no, not necessarily. The population in here, let's say, is equal this oh, okay. way because you've got this large township around the area too. Okay. But they're all Republican because. Yeah. But, you know, but Fargo in this circle, that's a four-piece pizza, yeah. is all Democrats. But now let's take that same thing, and let's do something a little different here. Let's say we do like this. And so like they're essentially this, taking chunks of the crust out of the pizza. And like this and like this. Now you've got one super Democrat district and one, two, three, four Republican. So you have a circle and then you have a bunch of U's that, that cut into the circle all the yeah. way around it. So essentially, okay, I see what's going on. So, so it's kind of moving in on this centralized democratic district. So you district. didn't change the vote at all, yeah. but you change, you changed the representation okay. right there. Exactly. Now, So they molded the districts in a way that it so, kind of dipped into the democratic, yeah. essentially. Well, you can do this pretty much anyway. Like Minnesota, um, Minnesota will do the opposite. They will, uh, they will go and they'll... Uh, They'll dip into like Moorhead or one of the bigger cities and they'll turn an entire district blue. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And then basically take, they take um, St. Cloud. How do you turn a, how do you turn a district blue? 
how do you change a district? Like, okay, well, so so say we're in a district. So we lost. I feel like we kind of lost focus here a little bit. So we're we're at the town side side of government. And we're at the state side of government. Each state is broken into a district. Yep. So district control is just how many people you can get to believe your what you're telling them in that district. District control. It's voters. It's all about voters. District control is basically determined by what the census says in 2000, 2010. We take a census every 10 years. And so basically what happens is who's ever in power in those years will basically be able to um, draw up the districts. Now, sometimes what you'll see, too, is that a, a governor, you'll have a you know Democratic governor and a Republican Congress, or you'll have maybe a Republican governor and a Dev- Democratic Congress if you're like in Massachusetts or something like that. And typically, when you see those type of situations, you'll notice that their districts are a lot more competitive. So what I'm basically trying to explain is, is that with gerrymandering, what your idea is, is to try and make as many 60-40 districts in your favor and one super dense district of your, impo- of your opposing party. Okay. Or maybe, you know, one or two so of those. So you push all of the, say, Republicans yeah. or the Democrats to the center, and you just kind of chip in at the outsides. So that's why yeah. there were people going door to door in my neighborhood, because I'm probably at the edge yep. of the 22nd what, district, correct? Yep. And what happened with our 22nd district? And that's why there's fucking yeah. signs everywhere in my yeah. driveway and all on people's fences, people, is because like, they're, yeah. they're pushing those lines. Oh, yeah. Essentially, they're trying to... Take the think of it as like a front line of a battle. They're trying to take that front line and push it farther into the city, right? Right, as far as you can without losing your yeah. without losing your base vote or gerrymandering. Losing, yeah, interesting. Um, basically, what the term comes from is there was a there was a governor. I can't remember what his name was. It's it started with Jerry, but it wasn't a. It wasn't just Jerry. You want to look up that term real quick? You got quick? it. Yeah, Jerry. How do you spell it? J-E-R-R-Y. Oh, it's the first thing that comes up. Yep. And what happened was it looked like a salamander, so somebody called it Jerry The gerrymander. Manipulate the boundaries of an electoral constituency. Ooh, I've never said constituency. Oh, I'm learning stuff. Uh, so, so they essentially are gerrymandering. You are moving your political party uh, in a certain direction. Well, it's not moving your. It's moving. Well, moving the district. your district. Um, look up the. Uh, uh, look up North Carolina gerrymandering there, or um, image search of uh, how how crazily some of these uh, <laughs> some of these districts can be gerrymandered. Uh, maybe even if you just look at the image search of gerrymandering. Gerrymandering. Can... All right, let's do it. Gerrymandering. It's it's a it's the number one. I had th- I put in yeah. G E R R and it was. Uh, we should probably know about this gerrymandering. So who decides what shape the districts are in? Whoever is in power at the time. Oh, I see. Okay. So, but it has to be equal. So it's like taking a, a dotted puzzle. I'll put this up for yep. us to see. It's like taking, it's like taking a, a a dotted puzzle and 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 just like it's like taking a graph notebook and chisel the most blue. If you're blue, you try to chisel the most. You try to chisel the most blue. If you're red, you try to chisel the most red to try to mix it up. Yep. 
So th- that's a tactic, gerrymandering. You should look into it. You should go to Google, look up gerrymandering. It's 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 like it's kind of like a uh, strategic. It's it's political strategy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, on a state level. So, but I want to I want to yep. stay on here. So once we get to the state level, um, then we have then it goes federal, then it goes government, right? Yep. Well, you got your governorship. Who's your the exec- governor is uh, the governor stays in North yep. Dakota though. He doesn't yep. do anything at the White House. The governor House. acts like. But the governor typically acts like the president of the United States. But he can for make our his, state, yep. But he can make his cabinet name his sure. uh, name his executives. Um, How many executives many, do they have? As many as, as many, they want. Many as you want, especially with. Well, we'll get to the presidency in a little bit, but yeah, I can explain that a little more. Um, but with the governor, the other key power that the governor has is that they can call on the national guard at any time. So essentially, martial law. And well, not no, not necessarily martial law, but disaster relief as well. And that you're affiliated um, with the National Guard, yep. essentially, right? Um, what I've actually done uh, many times, uh, I actually <clears throat> got activated four times uh, to serve in the floods of oh nine, ten, and eleven, and then over at Bismarck in eleven again. So that was oh uh, so, nine in Grand Forks, right? Or Oh nine and no, all in Fargo. Uh, oh oh nine in Fargo, but we 09, had a flood in 2011 in Minot as well. Um, yep, the uh, army actually c- took that one. Okay. Um, my guard, my guard unit. I am in the civil engineering. Um, typically, the army has all the toys, yeah. to say the least. Um, when you're talking dump trucks, dozers, uh, <laughs> yeah, the manned vehicles, all that stuff, like army we've got to borrow from them but one thing that we have that's unique is that we have a uh, civil engineering department at our air national guard base and we have a regional training site so we've got we've got some dozers we've got some cranes we've got that type of stuff and we're we are highly trained to build dikes um do that type of stuff. I've seen it firsthand in the flood yeah. in 2011 when we went through the flood. I got um, crowd con- or I got what was called crowd control on that one or patrolling, and I got to walk through blizzards. Really? <laughs> in 2009. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. Like to make sure people weren't in places yeah. they weren't supposed to be. Um, yeah, patrolling. pretty much. There was Humvees yeah. patrolling in Minot. <laughs> yeah, and if you got if you got anywhere near the river, um, yeah. you know, or if you were on a bridge you weren't supposed to be on, they would. Yeah. They would come I t- flush you out. I texted my friend because uh, there was a blizzard when we did that, and I go, "I think I need tauntauns when I'm going out here." <laughs> he goes, <laughs> "And there was friend, a blizzard uh, flood." Yeah, my friend texted me back. He goes, "You'll never make it past the first marker." I go, "Well, then I'll see you in hell." <laughs> <laughs> a little Star Wars humor for you there. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of Star Wars, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, the Last and, Jedi. Yeah, uh, uh, Ben Rhodes. Uh, shout out to Ben Rhodes, uh, posted something on the podcast group and he, he just kind of, he posted it, um, just, you know, starting a conversation and it was kind of, uh, the subject was, is what do you think of people superimposing actors and actresses into movies after they pass away? Cause they just did that in star Wars, correct? Correct. With Carrie Fisher, um, at the end of the movie. And how long has Harry Fisher been? Carrie Fisher. Excuse me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Carrie Fisher at the end of the movie. Um, heck, uh, well, she was obviously alive when she still made it, but uh, so she, she died. She died uh, after the movie released because she died on what the thirty first, if I remember right, sure. something like that. They Just, did it before this, though, right? Oh yeah, it was the thirty first because two thousand sixteen struck one last time. Yeah. <laughs> to get Carrie, um, 
but yeah, uh, she will be in the Last Jedi. So they um, are going to. She did. She did film all of her parts for uh, the new Star Wars movie. So that all the and, parts are filmed. Yep. So I don't believe that the story is going to have to be really changed at all for that. Um, I'm guessing on the Star Wars crawler, you know, the intro, you know, when you start all that, um, I think they'll probably just have some, oh, Leia died or something like that. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to try to Han Solo or, or, I think, uh, spoiler alert first, should I say? No, yeah. Spoiler alert. Maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. But the the whole theory is, is now that they have the technology to do CGI in movies, um, do you morally and and just like you know just as a common conversation uh, is it right you know do you, do you think that it's right i it's agree like, with you i think That's... it's equal to um to musicians releasing or uh p- people that ha- are the owner of the estates of musicians releasing yeah. unreleased music as long as it's respectful to them like i would probably if it's done in a certain way yeah, i would probably the context pe- i would probably be pissed if you know uh they released a Nirvana song that, you know, barely had any editing or recording to it. That you know, Kurt Cobain or, did not want released. But then that yeah, takes it to a whole nother level yeah. because the content that they're generating was never yeah. even completed or yeah, lived ex- by the person. So that's like that's where that's exactly. where the, that's where it gets tricky, I think. Yeah. Um if it was something along the lines of where, you know, Prince might have made a song to, you know, some person. Yeah. And didn't you know, get the chance to get it and didn't uh, get a chance the production to production done it to on yeah. it or something like that. But now you're looking at people that are generating content yeah. as somebody that's passed away. And then yeah. and then essentially that's for monetary gain. Yeah. You're almost worth more dead than you are alive and, and you can't say no. And that's are they, the best part of and it. And what's funny you to know? me is like, are they gonna walk up to Johnny Depp and be like um, we need yeah. this uh, eternity, uh, this yeah. doc- eternity document signed right here by the pink arrow, please, Mister yeah. Depp. Uh, we will give your children in your estate, you know, this much money. Blah yeah. blah blah blah. So, like, that's. I mean, as as it gets better, and as we talk about, I would, I would actually probably think that we would start seeing maybe a little bit more uh, legal work and wills maybe saying that yeah. specifically I do not want to be that, depicted as a computer I do image. Not, yeah, I don't want to be depicted as anything or yeah. you know, you can't have holograms. Uh one of the interesting thing with the hologram things was, you know, like, oh man, what are we going to do with holograms, man? Like we can use it for so many different things and you know, we're like uh we could have like George Washington give speeches at the <laughs> yep. National Mall. Yep. We could have, you know, um, Martin Luther King be your civil rights leader teacher, at a, you or, know, yeah, teacher or, at or event something like or that something. Yeah. event or fuck it, man. We're bringing back Pac. Yeah. <laughs> Pac's coming back and he's got a tiger. <laughs> We're he's bringing got, back we got a, Tupac, man. We got a hologram Pac and a hologram tiger. <laughs> Shit's popping be, off. It's going to be awesome, yeah, man. Yeah. You bring but, back Pac, you bring back a tiger. That's yeah. a show. I would go to Pac and a tiger. But I'm guessing like, for example, like JFK selling a bolt action rifle or, you know, MLK <laughs> selling Hawk and Colt 45 or yeah. Marilyn Monroe yeah. in a tampon commercial. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You yeah. know, like, yeah. definitely. Yeah. We're not, yeah. we're not going to have Jimi Hendrix playing yeah. a lead cameo in a rap video. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's you all know, in context. So you're right. Someone mentioned on the f- Facebook, like we're not going to bring back like meet the young John Wayne. 
Yeah. And like uh, an interactive Las Vegas experience, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, exactly. So the, there's a thin line, but I think as long as the SD, and that's the problem. You have you, I have my children, you have your children, whatever the fuck my children want to do with my legacy after I leave. Hopefully I left a well enough legacy and I've instilled in them uh, the type of morals that I would carry throughout my entire life that they would be able to make that decision. So I think it's left at that. So if it's at, if it's within, if it's, if it's okay with the family and, and if, if I have a way to support my family after I'm, um, you know, after my soul's moved off of, out of this, yeah. uh, and, or, you know, this yeah. essentially vehicle, then good for them. Get as much money out of me as you can. This, yeah. If this podcast, if you want to play this podcast in 90 years, you play the fuck out of this podcast. I'm cool with it. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of came up. So Ben, I, we didn't really answer your question. I'm not a Star Wars guy. I, I, probably uh, created I, I essentially uh, committed star wars sacrilege i didn't mean to say it it was a misspeak on uh carrie fisher uh it wasn't henry fisher i'm really really sorry <laughs> so please don't blow up my instagram or my facebook or leave like flaming bags of turds uh on my on my front porch um one thing i do want to ask you sam is how did you become uh how did you become so interested and how did you become so uh you know essential essentially um affiliated or uh, interested in politics well it's always been a passion of mine uh, were your I, parents uh into any movements or anything like that do they get um, were they uh, do they have any political uh no uh my parents are basically uh you know tried and true blue america you know not uh i wouldn't say blue americans because they uh typically voted republican uh, as far as i knew um my mom is uh probably one of the sweetest ladies that you'll ever meet. Uh, like I North Dakota sweet or South Dakota, North Dakota sweet. No. And it, it ain't even like that. It's like, you know, above that it's, I, I haven't met anybody that really hates my mom. Like that's how it should be. Nobody should hate your mom. If somebody hates your mom, then you got, then we got, then you got some shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Um, and then, uh, but it was mostly along the lines of, Hey, you know, Always be informed, always, you know, find the truth, always, you know, check things out. Um, I guess I really, uh, I really like the nuts and bolts of it. I, I guess you'd say I have more of an idealistic Was it like a high school situation? Did you, Um, did you find it in high school? I, no, I, well, to some extent, like I, uh, learned world history from a teacher of mine named Mr. Fletcher and he was, uh. He was one of the most passionate men that I know, politically, um, historically, like, uh, shout out to Mr. Fletcher for a long time. Like I wanted to be a teacher and then I realized that I could, you know, be in construction, make the same amount of money and not be in student debt either. So exactly. But, uh, but realistically, I really loved history the entire time. Like I, I loved, you know, how the founding fathers, you know, tried to set up an ideal, you know, an ideal society. But at the same time, the founding fathers were also very human. They made mistakes. They, you know, they didn't get it right the first time. You know, there was the Articles of Confederation before the con or before the Constitution. And, you know, back in those days, like it literally was a time of crisis. It was would the union survive and would the federal government be strong enough to, you know, unite these 13 different, you know, fundamentally different places. And the thing that always makes me amazed as an American is that fundamentally 
you know, there's not one, like, there's not too many unifying American things, like, that every single American can agree on. Like, you've got a Californian that loves surfing. You've got a main guy that loves lobster and hanging out and rooting for the Patriots. Yeah, you know? yeah. Cold, oh, cold ocean, warm you know, ocean. Yeah. you got coal miners. you got farmers. you was, got mountain men. you got... Yeah, know, I was listening to... Uh, desert dwellers. JRE today a little bit, and they were talking about that, and it's like, it just like the difference of Canada, and we're talking about the MPL and how the yeah. MPL essentially was founded in Canada. They, the guy said he yeah. he pulled a fucking... Uh, you know, he pulled a, uh, who, who all said they were moving? Um, what's her name? Amy, uh, Amy Schumer, Amy Schumer, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. She said she was moving yeah. to Canada. Well, in 1915, this guy essentially, uh, you know, he, he fucking said, if this happens, if this stuff keeps happening, I'm moving to Canada. Yeah. And he moved to fucking Canada. He did it. Yeah. And then essentially that's where the, your guys' your movement started and then he brought it back. So that's really interesting. You know, that just says a little bit about how people did things. You know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Don't, oh, yeah. don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. You know, that's always been kind of this more yeah. moral that you, this North Dakota moral. And, and I've brought it up in past, in past podcasts about, you know, like this different type of uh, ideals for North Dakotans. I've been yeah. in places out of state where it's like, oh, you're a North Dakotan, you want a job. Because they know they've just heard that North Dakotans are very good workers and that they're just like yeah. loyal, hardworking people. So well, it's a hell. different mentality. When I was down in tech school, um, we had a guy named Matt Watkins that was uh, one of the one of the unit training managers. Um, the way it's set up in the National Guard is that when you're a unit training manager, you don't uh, you can't just start off your career as a unit training manager. They typically want to find candidates that they think would be good and then vet them and then send them to, um, to the tech school. And this guy, Matt Watkins, um, he's, uh, you know, Texas through and through Mexican guy. Uh, but crazy thing was adopted by, you know, adopted by a black guy too. And so, or no, was it a white guy or a black guy? Or he's got a black white. It's kind of important uh, part of the story. Yeah, adopted from by a, a white, mixed family. A mixed family. We'll yeah. just call it that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Matt, if you end up listening. Yeah, to this. sorry, Matt. We're <laughs> um, cool with everybody. No, nah, man, you're cool. All the peoples. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> he would always go to me, man. North Dakota, man. North Dakota. I get it too. You-, <laughs> you guys ride. You still. You still ride covered wagons. Uh, like since oil, it's gotten you, better. Yeah. How do you deal with the cold up there, man? Like, yeah. And funny thing is, is, he got transferred up to Alaska. So. Oh, ah. he did. So <laughs> he essentially will probably have a similar weather than northern North Dakota. Uh, uh, and a lot of times, Alaska is warmer, warmer than here. Yeah. Exactly. I get that all the time. It's like, oh, you know, people just have until uh, the oil boom happened in North Dakota. Um, in the, and you know, in the late 2000, you know, 2000, yeah. the late 2000s, essentially, um, 2008 to 2010, whatever yeah. <laughs> people didn't even know about North Dakota. They didn't know yeah. about anything. And now with, uh, the DAPL protests and all that people yeah. like it's put North Dakota on the map. Oh, yeah. But until then people still thought we didn't have fucking electricity. We were all yeah. Amish, which there's very little Amish or Mennonites yeah. in North Dakota. And they, and they essentially thought that we were like these weird secluded little farmers yeah. that lived in fucking shacks. Yeah. Or even, uh, um, there was actually a movement back in the eighties when, uh, North Dakota was when North Dakota was being pop or was seeing a population decline. Yeah. Um, 
they actually had a movement where they wanted to just give the state back to the buffalo and like have people abandon it and say no it's just going to be a large nature reserve now because there's no point in being here (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's kind of if 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 you looked at it in the way that i my mentality of the way i want to live my life that's the place i want to be yeah Yeah. like i'm into it my dad said that too to me like he goes son when i retire i just want you to get me a house out in the middle of nowhere so that if deer walks by i'll just open the door and shoot it and then exactly (laughs) gut it and we'll call it good you do not even know how true that is i grew up well i didn't get to grow up i grew up in town but as i grew up and i was in my late teens my dad moved out to the country and we always had my grandparents farm in the family farm my grandpa was a dairy farmer for 35 plus years um and he farmed as well. Uh, he, he worked for other farmers. Um, he, he pretty much, he, I got to, I got to see agriculture from a very, very uh, young age. And I, 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 def- I definitely wouldn't call, I wouldn't say, thank you, Diane. We have, thank you very we have much. my, uh, wonderful mother-in-law. Favorite. Thank you. My favorite mother-in-law, um, keeping us hydrated, well hydrated. Thank you. Um, so yeah. The reason that I wanted to bring you on, and like I said before, is that this is my family, this is my history, this is my grandpa, Can, and my I need to get my grandpa Gerald on here, Gerald Bradley, he lives in Lansford, North Dakota, yeah. he, he, he's living what we're talking about, and um, it's just, it's really, really crazy to me, um, you know, that, that the things that, essentially, the same mentality that was happening in 1915, still has a little bit of an essence in North Dakota today, so it's just the basics and, like, the, the backbone of North Dakota politics, essentially. Yeah. Um, that being said, on more of a federal level, what, how do you feel, okay, so, let's just play a game, alright? Okay. Um, I was raised in a Republican setting, um, I, we work in, uh, we don't necessarily work directly with oil and gas. I work more directly with oil and gas than you do essentially, but you kind of do too. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I have a little bit of experience. I ex- dabble. You dabble, you dabble in oil and gas. We both yeah. do because of our careers. It's, it's just yep. the way that it, that we are. We're not going to, we, we can't say, Oh, I will not work yeah. for any company that has no. anything to do with any oil companies at all. You My- can't do it. No, uh, my job at the guard before I was a unit training manager was water fuel, and, and I we actually from... we actually combined with the POL and fuel guys. So um, I actually learned how to do you know some the petroleum the pipe, uh, petroleum logistics repairs, and like, things like that. And then yeah, just how to uh, how to store it, how to uh, fix a gas pump, just that type of stuff. Which brings me to my next point. Petroleum is still very much needed in today's world, essentially. And as as much as you can say that I think that anyone either on either side of it or in the middle or up on top or down below or fucking all around yep. it, there's one thing that we really need to address, and that is that I think everybody would like to see a there's, – there's no middle ground between a dependency on oil and clean energy. So the – the realistic people that have to that have to work and dabble in oil and gas essentially and that know how things work or or essentially know the backside we would call it like the back end of the oil industry their belief um as i've been hearing it is that we need oil we need oil more oil more oil and then we have the people that yeah. don't necessarily have ever have never worked have never worked in oil and gas or, yeah. or never it's never supported their family or, or anything. There's an environmental effort. And I think a big separation yeah. is that the, that there is a divide between those people. Well, I come from, yeah. I come, I'm on a stance where I think that, yes, we definitely, if, if you don't like oil, then you don't like the beer that we're drinking right now because the beer that you're drinking right now came to you with oil. That would be the argument of a, 
um, you know, of a of an oil of an oil guy yeah. or of a Republican. But I don't think. And what I want to get out there is that you can. I think you can be. Um, you can be both. I think. It, I, I think that that you can support oil for now, which may be wrong. And uh, this is what I no. want you to tell me if I'm wrong or not. No. But you can support oil because we need oil right now, and it's not it's not even feasible to say that we can just that we that we can be without oil in five years. So oh hell no. Yeah, exactly. So then five years. But how here. much how much infrastructure do we need to put into oil to get us through until? Uh, cleaner or natural energy can take over. You know what I'm saying? That's the art. That's, that's my question. And maybe I'm naive. I would say, um, in all reality, and I know I'm being a little bold here, but I'm saying if you could pump a trillion dollars into our economy over the next 15 years into renewable resources, we could probably be at maybe at least 50%, you know, 50-50 split and cut our carbon emissions and re- and reduce uh and reduce our pollution from oil. Um I believe that North Dakota is a very uh is a very good state to try and implement wind programs for two reasons. One, we got a hell of a lot of wind here. <laughs> And this is one of the uh, this is actually one of the platforms of the NPL is that we're trying to dedicate state funds to renewable resources wherever possible. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I get that we're uh, we're going to be especially in North Dakota. Like, oil is probably not going to go away. I'd love to see an electric car run in negative thirty degrees. They but, do have a uh, they have an electric charge station but, where I bought our Sam Adams that we're drinking. But well, in, we're drinking an assortment, but but in all reality, let's face it. I don't think an electric car could <laughs> could. The problem with electric cars car, right now, and yeah. I think I think that Tesla and um, Elon Musk they're working on. There's new battery yeah. technologies on the cusp, oh, yeah. but right now the life, the cost, and and it's I that was pretty cool to see the government even, subsidize yeah. uh, hybrids and electric cars. Um, but, and that's, that's, I think that's cool. You know, politically or personally or whatever, I don't, I, I think that that's great. Uh, this is my dilemma is I have the ideals and beliefs financially, um, of somebody probably that leans a little bit right. And I have the social and environmental environmental concerns of somebody that probably sits centrally left. But yeah, I watched a, uh, I watched a video called it's on Netflix. It's called Pandora's box and it actually makes the case for nuclear. And like they showed a graph of this. And if you take a look, there's a little dot, a little dot. It's like, this is wind. This is solar. This is coal. That's oil. You know? Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, uh, it's, not, it's like M&M, M&M, peanut, M&M, peanut, M&M. Yeah. Fucking uh, yeah. large pizza. Thank you. Yeah. Um, very good uh, visual description yeah. there for our viewers. Um, but basically, the uh, the case that they made is you're not just going to put up a wind tower and it's going to be all better. Like, well, we have a hard, large number. We have a large number hard. of wind towers right now, correct? But we sell that we oh. sell that energy to Chicago, right? Is that correct or something? Uh, no, no. I is believe- that a myth? I believe that you're you might be thinking more along the lines of some of our hydroelectric dams and that oh, type of stuff. Okay. But uh we're uh we're basically at the point of if we wanted to, I think 
I think that it's very feasible that North Dakota could be energy efficient. Like within North Dakota? Within, we could be in, so that we don't have to look anywhere else for yeah. our power or, with, or, or within fuel North, or anything? Within North Dakota for in like 10 to 15 years, if we had the political will to do it. And who's on that but, side of that? Who is that? Um, who's, who's fighting that fight? Typically, I guess I'd like us to be the NPL, of course. Yeah. Uh, the Democrats will pay lip service to it, but what I is lip have... service? Like they will say it, but they won't do it. Yeah, lip service. Okay. Like, yeah, I got you. You know, yeah, you'll say it to keep the hippies in check. But uh, okay, you know, yeah, you I know. got you. See, I just want to give some backstory. Like, I am an yeah. un- I am a very moderately educated. I've ed- I've educated myself more through probably yeah. two classes. Like you said, you had a teacher. I had a yeah. couple teachers and YouTube. But I went to alternative school. Um, is that like alternative facts? <laughs> it's alternative. Like <laughs> no. you are not suited for normal school. So no, you yeah. need to go to this school because we can't have you punching people in the fucking locker bay. And then yeah. I get to alternative school and the people that are in, that were in alternative school with me when we were getting fucked up and having these conversations. Now we're are all not, punching are, people. No, now everybody <laughs> that, that was said that to be alternative in fucking 2001 is all whether they have their own podcast right now or i have some of the best conversations with those people or they are are self-taught or they are like really passionate about politics as you are you know what i'm saying but no but i but the thing is is that i have the will just just not the knowledge so so my my question is is that um, so where does the npl stand where does the npl stand on not being able to to go so you you can't get off oil you know what i'm saying so and i think we can better use our resources though resources being money taxpayers money not necessarily uh tax or uh well yeah taxpayer money would be part of that equation but we uh we basically took eight million dollars from the general fund to pay for security in front of the uh in front of the pipeline uh and, Eight million dollars. Yeah, and well, and so I I know that the the uh, the protesters had a pretty successful um a pretty successful GoFundMe, and they had a couple million yeah. dollars as well. Yeah, and right now it's basically paying for a lot of the lawyers, paying for that type of stuff. Um, one of the so if you go to jail uh, on behalf of the protesters or the um, Standing Rock tribe, or is there a separation between the protesters and the tribe? Um, it's typically, as far as the protesters go, I think there's several different camps. Um, I am not 100% informed on this issue. I'll yeah. be the first one to admit that. Well, and I However, don't even really want to do, I don't want to dive yeah. too deep into this. But this I is... will say that, um, what I do know is that I believe there were three camps and that one camp was basically evacuated and the protesters were arrested there. Um, anybody who got out of line or did anything like that was arrested. And what they had was they had so many people flooding the system that they granted a temporary stay so that the people could, you know, have their speedy trial that's guaranteed by the constitution, of course. Sure. And, um, I believe, I think the, at least the majority of them, um, got off because, you know, they weren't found to be, you know, so they brought them in. They essentially booked them like yeah, a fucking booked. drug tank, drunk tank. They're like, Oh, it's a protester yeah, it tank. Al- it was almost so they like have a pro- kennel there. They have protester like, yeah. tanks, like a kennel. That's a fucked up way to look at it. But really that's what it is. They brought them in dog kennels, I think is where they really them like fucking like, fences. 
like yeah it was some of the pictures i saw was you know concrete um kennel fencing and like jesus christ i mean and, what do you but what do you do i mean we weren't ready for it, was, it it costs a large yeah. amount of money i mean what, what yeah as a as a um you know um, and this is where some of the people on the farther left will you know will dog me on it as well but i you know i'll basically say a lot of us guard guys, you know, I've gotten the offer to go to the DPL and that's state active duty. That's almost twice what I make here. Like, yeah, exactly. It's 40 bucks um, an hour, you know, right? Or something. I have a CDL. I do my, I do a bus. I know how to bu- drive a bus and yeah. that type of stuff. And bus drivers were probably one of the biggest things. But to be honest, I don't know if I really would have been able to live with myself if I'd, you know, mm-hmm. transported somebody who went and killed a protester, you know, beat him down. Like, I don't think I could, you know. Were any of the protesters killed, though? Um, I don't or were be- they beat down? Or I don't believe killed, but there was a person who had to have his arm amputated the because girl? of a, yeah, because of flash did, grenade. Did they, did they ever rule that with a flash grenade or they, there was some controversy that that was a propane tank? I, I guess I, I don't know. We there, there is so much that's being thrown out there, both yeah. information and disinformation. So where I'm trying to get hard, with it, it's essentially. It's very hard to parse through a lot of this stuff. I, I want to segue into this because I really want your opinion on, on what's been happening uh, since Donald Trump has been sworn in as, um, you know, uh, the president of the United States. Yep. How does what? How does his executive orders that he's been signing? He just signed an executive order that said uh, he is approving um, with their stipulations, correct? With the under with the their, army stipulate with the army, army corps of engineers, engineers stipulations yeah. that they're approving um, the Keystone yeah. pipeline, which was shut down about two years ago by President Obama, correct? Yes, correct. And then um, also uh, now the Dakota Access Pipeline as well. So he's giving he signed off on yes. an order. So, okay, so the Keystone got shut down by Obama two years ago. Said it's not happening. Yeah. Okay. And um, that, was also, uh, that was also put to a vote by the House and the Senate. And the House and, and the Senate voted against it. Um, the House couldn't get it. To, I think the House could get it together, but the Senate would filibuster. So, they so would, that's where you would stand um, and talk for 20 hours to fill the session with a bunch now, of crazy shit. Now, here's the crazy thing about a filibuster is that a filibuster doesn't mean what a filibuster means. You know, you can you, you don't you can lean on shit um, now. No, uh, it's actually even different than that. It's basically uh, saying that uh, I can go to the Senate as one senator and say, "Hey, I'm going to filibuster. I need a supermajority to tell me that I can't filibuster," and it, or basically saying that if I don't get sixty votes. Um, to just say, hey, let's pass the bill, the bill gets killed. So basically what you can do is that a bill can pass, you know, or can quote-unquote pass like 56 to 40, 46 or something like that, and it has a clear majority vote. However, because of the filibuster rule, you need 60 votes to do anything in the Senate nowadays. And with the current split being 51 Republicans and then 49 Democrats slash independents to count for Bernie Sanders, um, because basically Bernie Sanders caucuses with the, um, do I have to explain caucus as well? Okay. Um, when you talk about caucusing, um, it's basically just meaning that you will, um, line up together with the party that, 
uh, suits here. So the NPL caucuses with the Democratic Party. Correct. And then uh, Bernie Sanders considers himself a Democratic Socialist, um, which is probably a more extreme version of the Democrats. And Well, I guess extreme isn't the best word to use for it. A different, <laughs> you said it. Yeah, a differing, <laughs> a differing view. In, a, in the view of a like a conservative or a Republican, it yeah. would be more extreme. In some ways, yes. And you um, feel, um, for example, because of like because of today's, uh, you know, kind of like polarization. Exactly, polarization, and um, you know, essential like a PC um, acceptability that you have to say it like that. It's just kind of a <clears throat> habit. Well, right? yes, um, because socialism by, is is socialism for some reason, and socialism in my mind put in the same fucking boat yeah. as communism. And when you think of communism, you think of when Adolf he, Hitler and no, and Hitler's not a communist. Hitler's he, a fascist. He's a fascist. See, that's where I'm wrong. Yeah. This is the shit I need to know. Yeah. Now, so who's a communist? That was communist um, Russia. You're talking Socialist? Stalin, Lenin, Stalin, Lenin, uh, Trotsky. So I, know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a dairy farmer and I make yeah. milk. Sam's a fucking baker and he <laughs> grows Durham, right or wheat. Yeah. So then I don't go to a job and get money. But I go to the commune. Right, essentially a com- communal neighborhood. Well, or, there was still money in Russia, in Soviet Russia, and all that. But it like, just the government, yeah, controlled given, every. You were given an yeah. allowance. That's this this idea. You had a state-controlled economy, basically. Oh, okay. And, um, the state decided how many TVs it was going to make this year, how ma- how much grain it was going to produce, really? how, much, how much pig iron. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. You read 1984, haven't you? No, I am not a reader. I have ADD. Oh, I listen to it though. Um. If you get a chance, I would say uh, listen to 1984, listen to A Brave New World, um, those uh, so, and Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, I read that? Fahrenheit 9-11. I did yeah. read that. Um, so I could possibly be a communist? Uh, if, I, no. if I decide that, that if I think federal government should go out the door and I feel that the state should, should have more jurisdiction over the people, um, or I think that everyone should just have their, uh, you know, that North Dakota well, is their own entity, then that would be communism? Well, no, because communism, communism is basically an authoritarian version of the left. Like, it's basically you know, make you do it at a democratic um, dictatorship. Not even a democratic dictatorship. Communism is more of the extreme ver- is the extreme version of the left. However, democratic socialism does exist in many countries. Democratic socialism exists in Norway, Sweden, uh, Denmark. And you always Iceland. see the United States trying to model themselves yeah. after these for health, for, uh, for crime, um, yes. for those type of things. But the, my argument with that is that um, it's a very small tribe, so to speak. So it, yeah. I think that that may work in a smaller tribe, but when you're dealing with... 330 million people, correct? Is that what we came up with earlier? Yeah. In the United States, does that really work in a in a small tribe? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm a township guy. If I I love to travel, but if I could only have if I only had to deal with people yeah. within a 2-mile yeah. radius, I would get much more done and whoever was elected to to say say that, you know, it already happens like this, but I don't see it on this scale. And it's interesting you say that because like what happens is, is that a lot of the times people say, oh, yeah, well, the Finns, the Danes, the Norwegians, the Swedish, yeah, they're a small population. They're all one people. One of the common themes that I see is that 
a lot of people try to say, oh, multicultural di- or democracy, you know, or s- democratic, it just doesn't work because the people just can't get along. You know, I, I really, I don't, I guess I say I can't believe it, and I probably am more uh, likely saying I don't want to believe it either. It all like, depends on how you, you know, look at it. So, like, so that argument that I told you about, uh, that's just it, an argument. Yeah, it's but an argument. There are very, I've, uh, and I, you have to live it and you have to know people. If you're from a small yeah. town in North Dakota and central North Dakota and you've yeah. never met a Muslim or you've never met an African American yeah. or you've never met um, a Mexican. And that was like me American. back in the day too. Like until I went to basic. Me too. That's me too. Yeah. Cause that's the environment that I grew up in. And then we're I mean, 98% white here. Like exactly. this is white bread, wonder bread, you know, I can talk to my dad yeah. and he can tell me, uh, you know, Mike, or I'm sorry, my grandpa can tell me the first time he's seen an African American. He yeah. was 18 years old. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's, I, I wasn't traveled. I was within a 10 mile, 10 mile radius of where I grew up. I, I was sheltered to that as well. So that's the problem that I have. Um, I think the internet though, and I think our connectivity is really starting if, if to bring us together. Knowledge is uh, not just generated in the yeah. United States. So this is, I'm on, I'm on both sides of the spectrum here. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, my grandma would probably align with you a hundred percent. God bless her. God bless her heart. You know, like she, and I'm she, realistic. She, too. Yeah. She, like, she's very realistic exists. too. So I have an, I have an influence of that in my life. She teaches people English. Um, she works in with family health. She's on the board of family health care. You know, she, her, that, that's a large, she's a matriarch of our family. You know what I mean? So I have to keep an open mind to things. So if you tell me that someone can't come here or if someone, um, we need to kick everybody out. Okay. If it becomes a problem, um, I don't know enough about it, but I would like to think that I've met some very great people that came here and did more with their lives than 50 of the people that I grew up with that are sitting in a fucking bar drinking their faces off. Yeah. And the way I see it too, if you can't. If you can't get a job from somebody who doesn't even speak English, I think that person who doesn't speak English is probably more qualified than you then. You know, exactly. Like, or willing to work harder. Or <laughs> like a, a past coworker that worked for our company said, when people give me shit for being foreign or, or he never, he, yeah. he was ashamed to tell everyone that he was Muslim. He, he wasn't ashamed, but he just didn't advertise, which uh, yeah. professionally you don't have to. And I was okay with that. That's the same thing here. I don't go around saying, hey, I'm. Freaking Democratic NPL. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, we're on, yeah. <laughs> I'm voting for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I'm a Suck Bernie my Sanders liberal cock. Yeah, blah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I don't necessarily go around. You know, I don't necessarily disclose who I voted for or anything like that. I don't. I, don't, I will and I won't. You know, uh, the the problem is is that um, you get a lot of closed minded people in a, in a in a certain like tribal setting or a small town setting, and and they only talk to other people that have the same beliefs as them. And then you run yeah. into this problem, and I think that's a large issue with the way that 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 uh, politics is right now. Is that yeah. there, we still have to go to a little fucking senior center yeah. to vote? Why can't we vote? Like, let's use technology to fucking forward advance politics. Do you agree or disagree? Um, in some ways, yes, I agree. Uh, I believe I would like to see mail-in voting like Oregon has. Mail-in voting? Uh, yep. The idea of a single day for an election day is what's antiquated. I believe that um, if you have an election, let's make it like a week long or a month long. Why do we have to have it on Tuesday? Let's yeah. have election day on Saturday. Yeah. That way a lot more people can vote. You know? Why is that? You know, um, 
Basically, uh, that stems back from, once again, the agrarian society. The farmers. The farmers. Like, it was, uh, you know, can vote on Sunday because Sunday is God's day, obviously. Yeah, of course. Um, Monday in November, I believe was, I believe like the first Monday of November was typically back in the day when, uh, when a lot of businesses would up their, re-up their books. So... They didn't want to, you know, interfere with businesses. So that's why you got Tuesday. Um, so you could yeah, that, it just, get... It, so by necessity, yeah. it just ended up being one certain day. But now you yeah. have early voting. You have things like that. And I believe that's a good thing. Get as yeah. many people voting as possible. Make your schedule. Make it online. Yeah. Sign yeah. in with your fucking social security number and let everybody vote. Well, Wouldn't it be cheaper for everybody to do their ad campaigns online? It's not as secure. And then the other thing uh, with voting. So this is, is where we're, th- this we're is talk- just this. I, I don't want to. No. I'm going to stay where you are. Yeah. I don't want to take you off it. But part of me when you is against cheaper, that as well. When you talked about cheaper. Um, well, one, if you have no paper trail, it's complete. It's completely impossible to verify your votes. Um, we have. A lot of issues – well, to start off, in North Dakota, we actually had a voting law that was changed before the 2014 elections that it got overturned by a federal court because they felt it excluded too many voters. And uh, what they were disputing over was, okay, say I move to Castleton. Um, one of the qual or one of the qualifications of voting is that you have to live in your area for 30 days. Now, with um, the budget cuts that we've had and all of that type of stuff, we have you know less people at the DMV, that type of stuff. Plus, people have their jobs and all that. Let's say I didn't get my license renewed. Now. What we have is an affidavit system, which is basically an affidavit is a piece of paper that you sign to say, I, Sam Wagner, state that I live at this address and you can uh, bring basically a utility bill, you know, with your name on it, proving that you live there or say like it was all under my name and I've got my wife who lives with me. What I can do is I can sign for my wife swearing by federal law that I am confirming that this person lives in this place. If it's like, a, ra- yeah, it's like a written statement if, confirmed by yep. oath. If you, or, if you review this and find out it's a fraudulent vote, then I get to go to jail for a while. Yeah. It's, you a, know? Yeah, it's like skipping it's the fel- draft yeah. or it's a federal it's, offense. It's a, yeah. It's yeah. a federal offense. Yeah. yeah. That's a federal offense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you could essentially vote within – if you lived within 30 days and you had an old yeah. address, you could find an affidavit that said yeah. I could vote here. So that was passed in 2014? Yeah, that was uh, reinstated. Reinstated. After. So, yeah, it was basically a matter of, hey, there's you know thousands of people that weren't getting to vote because of this. You know, sure. They just didn't have ID. They didn't have a driver's license. Yeah. Um, some of the older people – like, say you're an old Native American it was essentially person like on, the a, res- on the reservation. It was like, I'm going to sign this yeah. here letter that says I am who I, I says I am. Yeah. And it was like a, it was a, an yeah, agreement you, that says, I've done sign this here letter 
says yeah. it's me. And if you find out that it isn't, yeah. which you could with a little bit of work, but we didn't have time to do that work, yep. that says I will go to jail. It's like but putting yeah. your hand on a Bible yep. that says I swear. I'm, I'm, a, I'm essentially signing an oath. Because sometimes you have like these 80-year-old Native American people, no birth certificate or anything like that. Yeah. Like, heck, some of them or, back then weren't probably even born in a hospital. You or, know? or, yeah, things like that. Or even, yeah, that. Yeah. Or my, my brother's girlfriend, uh, she's from Sudan. Um, she keeps having run-ins with, uh, just like getting just random weird things. She gets, she doesn't get harassed or anything, but it seems like in the last year or so, she's had like two or three run-ins with, um, with, um, police officers. And every time it's like for really weird things, like, uh, she got stuck, uh, in a weird spot in her car or, uh, she didn't have her, uh, she got pulled over for a speeding ticket and didn't have her ID. Well, yeah. they pulled her name up in their database and she showed up as a male. So then she got hassled. So my little brother, yeah. you know, they're 18, 19 years old. Uh, Sunday's her name. Uh, she's from Sudan. Her dad was essentially, uh, was actually one of the lost boys. Um, yeah. And so she, she is more, we've had her over. She's been to my house numerous occasions. Yeah. She's just like us. She grew up here. You know what I mean? Like when we have a conversation, she's not outside of the conversation. She, you know, yeah. Her family still holds on to like when I had Israel and uh, Israel Perez that came from Puerto Rico, his family still holds on to their um, culture in their household. But right. she is, she knows more about pop culture than I do. She knows yeah. more about a lot of things going on yeah, exactly. that the kids are into than me. Like what's on fleek, you know, or what's yeah. on point. I know nothing of this. So, but when she gets pulled over for a fucking speeding ticket, she gives them her, she gives them her ID number or her whatever identification number or her name. And it comes up as, as a fucking male. They can't even process a speeding ticket. How the fuck is she supposed to vote? Yeah, you exactly. Know I, yeah. So that, that, that's a, that's a good idea. I think that it, um, anybody willing, I, there's many different ways to prove your citizenship yeah. or to prove things like that. But, um, yeah, I think that everyone should be able to vote. And I think that they should make voting easier. And I think that there's technologies that, that are happen that, that are available today that could make it much easier for everyone to vote because I've gone out of my yeah. way to vote for the last five years. And prior to that, I never voted once in my life. I'm yeah. 32 years old. So there's six years I just didn't vote. Yeah, um, and that's what we want to do is we want to try and find the people that didn't vote and we want to get them. Um, the guy I work with, Dust, or the guy I've been talking with, co- collaborating with, Dustin, he five years ago didn't vote. Yeah, I didn't vote five ran. years ago either. He literally ran for Senate this yeah. last year. Yeah. Like, and that's, so, and that's me. I yeah. was not involved in politics. I did not know what it meant. I did not know what the difference between the fucking donkey and the elephant were. Yeah. I didn't know what the colors meant. I didn't know what a Democrat. I didn't know what a Republican was. You know, uh, I, I would consider myself, um, I am a free, uh, I would independent. I'm an, I would you call it an independent? Uh, how, about independent, how about this? How about this? If politics idea. is a fucking school dance, right? You're standing. I'm by the buzzed, wall. standing on the wall, <laughs> just enjoying the music. Yeah. So what would that make me? You'd be an independent. There you go. Um, independents are typically people that don't vote for any one party, but can be persuaded either way. So then, so, my ballot would have been yeah. would look like salt and pepper, right? Because you know, um, the libertarians got their thing, and, and the green. The Green Party, well, is the Green Party. What is the Green Party? Is that environmentalist? Um, the Green Party is typically environmentalist. Uh, they, they'll definitely uh, veer farther left than the average Democrat will. Um, typically, uh, you might see uh, 
you might see uh, you could see a Bernie Sanders esque candidate in there, and there actually was one. Uh, have you heard of Ralph? You've heard of Ralph Nader? Oh yeah, Brian Griffin of Family Guy voted for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was actually. I kind remember of the, my dad talking yeah. about Ralph Nader uh, in the in the two thousands, essentially. Yeah, Ralph Nader was actually a very big. Uh, big environmentalist back in the day. And he was kind of the cult of personality that founded the green party. And I do kind of believe that ever since the green party lost, well, Ralph Nader was too old to run for it. I do believe that they've just kind of been drifting along. I think they have some good ideas that could be implemented and could be used in a coalition with the Democrats because the Democrats do agree with them on a lot of things. They just go a little bit farther on the anti-vax stuff. They go a little bit farther on the holistic medicine. Um, They're a little more, you know, they want, you know, they want the free tuition, the universal health care and the, uh, what was the other one? $15 minimum wage like Bernie does. Sure. um, As somebody who has a family to support and a mortgage, just like yourself, do you ever find a dilemma in wanting to support the things you actually believe in and the things that, that you actually need to vote for to support your family? Oh, everybody has, you know, everybody tries to make pragmatic decisions. Like the idealist in me really did like to want or did want to vote for Bernie Sanders and all of that. But the primaries uh, or the caucuses, actually, this actually is a different definition for caucus. Um the definition that I'm talking about right now is um, you've heard about every election that a state has to determine the Democratic and Republican candidate, of course. Um, the caucus, which uh, decided for Bernie Sanders, was actually in June of this year. And basically, when I voted uh, in that caucus... So the caucus is like the pre-election vote. Yep. The Essentially, pre- it's the prim- like, who the fuck there's are you prim- backing? Yeah, there's a primary and a caucus. Okay, primaries, primary. Primaries are like elections. And these Anybody are like what, can vote. These Any- are like the polls that everyone's are talking about, right? Uh, no, these no. are... Well, I guess polls... The caucus, the, the, the caucus and the... It's an election. Yeah, it's, an, it's election an election to get the... Say it's a tournament. Yeah. Essentially, it's like, who are you electing into this yep. tournament? And then the tournament has branches. Yeah. You heard, start with yeah. you start out in Iowa. 16 bracket, and you yep. get down to two. Yeah, you start out in Iowa, sure. then you go to New Hampshire, then you go to South Carolina. Because they Nevada. have the most, they have the most, the population is the highest, or why is that? <laughs> um, if you had an answer for that, I'd love to hear it too. But It's uh, just like some it, weird, mysterious it's like somebody, thing. Somebody threw a dart at a board. Except and, this yeah. is where we're fucking <laughs> caucusing. I, so this is where CNN was, shows up to fucking I was it. the reason that corn is so big in, <laughs> in American po- – ethanol in, yeah. is so big in American politics. <laughs> well, you want to talk about no, American no. ethanol. I don't even want to get into that. We're gonna have to but break. No. The, we're gonna have to break Sam Wagner into segments because yeah. there's just this is like a fucking Pandora's box of interest for me. Um, and <laughs> there's so much here. Like, yeah, there's so much. Like this is. I'm very interested. I find myself reading shit that I would never read. I find myself talking about things that I have no fucking <laughs> clue about, and then they interest me because I, I get upset because I don't know how to answer the question. So then I go and do a little bit of research, and I'm like, holy shit. To be fair, though, you're answer. You're asking very, very good questions. Thank you, I think. Sam. Like, Thank you. I'm trying, I'm trying to, a lot of times, uh, it just by, by our environment, it's not very hard to really become disconnected very quickly because things get complicated and everybody has their own shit to worry about. Well, bread and, and circuses too. Like, yeah, 
uh, like that term uh, back in the days of the Romans. And if the populace was getting out of hand, open up the mills, give them bread, and get the gladiators going. Give them a circus. That's to right. Watch. Fucking NFL, right? <laughs> yeah. And the Super Bowl's coming up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, one of the. <laughs> I was actually going to the Vikings game uh, and I took a big picture of the um, U.S. Bank Stadium for my thing. And one of the guys goes, oh, that's a fucking waste of money. And I go, you always have to be that asshole, don't you? (laughs) And he goes, yeah, whatever. And I go, listen, I am eating my bread and watching my circus right now. (laughs) Yeah, so so that worked out. That was a perfect metaphor. and he goes, you know what I like about you, Sam? He goes, you know exactly what this is, and you don't fucking <laughs> that's care. Right. And I enjoy it. Yeah, that's right. Let's get a fucking hologram tiger yeah. to protect to, with to, Tupac. With Tupac at the at the fuck like there better be a hologram fucking CGI uh, halftime show. That's all I'm having to say. Yeah. If Bruno Mars comes up, mad props, Bruno Mars. Sorry about it's your- Lady Gaga this time around. Oh, my wife is gonna be wind up and fucking dancing yeah. in the living room. My mom, huge Lady Gaga fan. My wife, too. big yeah. Lady Gaga fan. Yep. The women know what's happening. They definitely <laughs> do. Your your wife's a teacher. She's an educator. Yep. Which brings me to my next point. Um, so the NPL existed before unions, essentially. The unions were created in the, what, 30s and 40s, essentially, for dock workers and things like that? No, no even earlier than that. Earlier than that. Um, it was for workers' rights. The 1900s, uh, when you had Teddy Roosevelt and the progressives, the... The young bulls, or as Teddy Moose uh, or Teddy Roosevelt uh, called his party later on, was the Bull Moose Party, and that was actually when he uh, got <laughs> when he got shot while he was giving a speech. And did you ever hear the story about Teddy Roosevelt? I didn't. No. Um, Teddy Roosevelt giving a speech. Some guy shoots him in the arm or in like the arm, and he goes. It's gonna take more than that to give to take down a bull moose, and, and then he fucking kept going. Finished his speech and went down, or went, and, and then got essentially fixed, got got fixed up. He's a fucking man's man, Teddy Roosevelt. If I could be like Teddy Roosevelt, if I could be half the man that Teddy well, Roosevelt, Roosevelt is, had a large part in uh, national, minus the national parks. Yeah. Oh, you, you he essentially wanna... is a he. He is a, he's responsible for uh, oh. all of the national parks. Um, not all of them, but but a, a good amount of national parks, yeah. right? Which there's the, a little uh, bit of controversy with that as well. The first, Why? the first actual national park was actually passed during the Civil War to uh, make Yosemite National Park the uh, first. It was basically a representative from California saying, "Hey, this land is beautiful. Can you put this aside as federal land so that we don't ever, you know, lose this?" And he's and it was one of those things where it wasn't even a uh, it wasn't even debated that much the part where uh it wasn't even like it wasn't even a big deal when they were talking about this like it was basically some no name piece of legislation that went on Abraham Lincoln's desk and he signed it now what happened is in 1906 there was a uh piece of legislation passed called the antiquities act and this was basically to preserve uh native american sites down in arizona and new mexico because what was happening was a bunch of people were going to these archaeological sites for indians um that had been abandoned for years and like stealing the pottery stealing all that stuff and trying to sell it for a profit and 
So one of the side effects. So there was of that, like archaeologists going and digging yeah, the just, shit up and then selling it. Yeah, it belongs in a museum. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but what happened was is that so in order to stop this, they gave the president the executive power to declare something a national monument, which was Lincoln, right? Nope, this was Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Lincoln earlier. Teddy Roosevelt. Lincoln was the first one to actually make a national park, and a national park needed to have approval by Congress. Now, what happened was with Mr. Roosevelt was he he really loved the Grand Canyon, and he loved all of the stuff out west. He actually, his first national monument that he made was Devil's Tower in... Um, Wyoming. Seen Devil's Tower. Yep. First hand. I've seen it too. It's beautiful. Something to see. Um, I can tell you the legend behind that one too from the Native Americans <laughs> really? if you want. Um, but we'll uh, get to that in a second. Now, Teddy Roosevelt loved the Grand Canyon and there was actually a bunch of miners that wanted to get mineral rights from the, or from the Grand Canyon. And so Teddy Roosevelt said, well, what can I do? And he said, well, there was this law saying that you can uh, declare pieces of land in the United States a National Monument. And he's like, does it say how big? And they go, no. Well, the Grand Canyon's a National Monument now. Give me a piece of paper. I'll sign it. <laughs> <laughs> and Yellowstone and fucking. Um, and what they used was the, uh, yeah, um, Yellowstone was another uh, early national park. Uh, from from him as well, right? Nope. I believe that was actually, I want to say. So he started, the, so uh, so essentially uh, Lincoln started the movement. Lincoln started the movement. I um, believe a few. Roosevelt other, started the trend and then people followed yeah, that said, Roosevelt, what beautiful land can we find? Woodrow Wilson uh, used, because the mining company that was against Teddy Roosevelt wanting to mine the Grand Canyon, actually sued the United States government. And in 1920, they actually had a Supreme Court case. Uh, I believe it was 1920. Yeah, in 1920, they had a uh, Supreme Court case that ruled that it was legal for the president to do that. And ever since then, they've used that as precedent. Like in, uh, in Alaska, there are areas of 200,000 square acre, or I want to say square miles or square acres. Yeah, you're right. No, Alaska's huge, yeah. Yeah, where it's just, yeah, they set aside all this beautiful areas, you know? And, I, and there's a large conservation kind of going on in Colorado as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, where they have, um, uh, I mean, you see more of an environmental movement. And the reason that we brought this up and the reason that we're talking about this yeah. is with the Green Party. So essentially, the reason that I brought it up completely is is because uh, I listen to Joe Rogan. Uh, I watch Meat Eater. Um, I don't know. You ever watch Meat Eater or anything like that on Netflix? Is, uh, uh, I saw it come up on my feed, but if you just kind of give me a brief overview of it. So Meat Eater or their Joe Rogan Experience is a podcast that I always listen to. Um he has a uh, an American hunter. I'm, <laughs> I'm zoning out on what his name is right now. Uh, but anyways, he essentially was talking about um, how you cannot hunt on national parks. Um, and so yeah. I think what Teddy Roosevelt did was great. This is my opinion, whatever. I've been to national parks. I think that uh, you kind of feel nervous at a national park uh, because you feel like you're going to do something wrong. Um, you know. But I, I, I understand that there's a, a large amount of rules that need to happen. Um, 
you know, so that, that things essentially the last time I had a qualm is that I'm a, I'm a, a professional UAV pilot, so yeah. I can commercially fly drones. Um, I wasn't, can uh, you not fly them in the national park? I can, I can. Okay. Here's where, and I got this from a park ranger. Um, this is where it gets funny is he said, and he, this was a really cool guy and he did not have to tell me this. You cannot launch or land from a national park, but the way that it works since August 24th, 2016 says that the airspace above, um, a national park, as long as it's classified in a class G airspace or a class airspace where I'm, um, ver- or where I'm, um, authorized to fly, I just can't land or, or I can't launch or land from the national park. So you can go on the border and set your drone in the air, fly it so around, and ex- then come back. So, yeah, half an hour battery time on my DJI Phantoms. So what I can do is I can launch my, I can launch my drone or my UAV yeah. from the outside of the park by the big brown sign, and I can go fly around the park all I want. But when I come back, I, can j- I just cannot land that aircraft in the park. In all reality with your drones, though, I... I have, I see that as you know the take take photographs and leaves footprints. But that's that's you know? a, but yeah. that Stephen Ronella is the yeah. guy. That's Stephen Ronella, and Stephen Ronella was talking about. Um, we're all we're all about. He he's a hunter. He's a, he has a great cooking and hunting show on Netflix. You should definitely check it out. You should definitely check out Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan's experience. I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast. Is knows Joe Rogan it. coming to Fargo as a comedian or something, or is that a different? Uh, is that really happening? Uh, I thought I heard an ad for it. I would love that if if that really is happening. Um, it, I listen to Jay. I listen to Joe Rogan all the time, and Steve Stephen Ronella is a good friend of his, and kind of got um, Joe Rogan back into hunting. Well, I was a large hunter when I was younger. My family hunting in my family was very large. Oh yeah, same here. Um, it's always been very important. Uh, my grandpa passed away. You know, um, my we. My parents and family moved around a little bit. We didn't get to hunt as much as we wanted to, um, but hunting used to be very important to me. And I didn't ever realize that um, a lot of the land that I hunted was um, enacted or CRP. They call it right. What is uh, whatever yes. CRP, CRP was the old uh, was the old program. I believe Plots is the new program now. Yeah. So, but that's that's uh, essentially Plots is a plots habitat is the, plot. Yeah. yeah. But Plots and CRP were very different. Well, you right? still get you still get paid a stipend for uh, having your land in plots, just like you did with CRP. But there wasn't a so. like national game and wildlife sign that had a, a color either green or a different color. Saying There's a which, triangle sign for plots. But but even yeah, if it was, yeah. but there was CRP that wasn't posted, right? I believe you had to post it if I remember correctly. So the plots that we see, um, essentially. Um, are the same thing as CRP. So essentially what plots are was yeah. it was a government program to conserve habitat yep. that paid farmers not to farm their land um, in the areas that the habitat for game and wildlife yep. could and then thrive. You have, and then you have to uh, plant certain seeds, I think, and certain... So uh, certain na- like foods, certain, natural certain natural, foods. Yeah, natural foods. Because I remember when I was working for Dakota Plains Agriculture, we actually sold a CRP seeding or seed brand as well. Conservation Reserve Program. 
So that's what it's called. So yeah. it was a conservation effort. So the farmers had land they wanted to give up to the conservation reserve program. They would essentially get a subsidizing or not subsidizing. Would it, was it to be a subsidiary? Subsidy. It'd be a subsidy from the government that said if you if you plant this on your land with your equipment, essentially these prairie grasses and native grasses and things like that to feed uh, the wildlife, we will pay yeah. you not to farm. Yeah, and CRP is amazing. And like, that went away? Uh, well, according to your website here, it says it's still around. Like, so in the, in the general area of north central North lot, Dakota, you I don't believe, see as much of it. I believe that a lot of it, though, um, just went up or farmers decided to opt out of it just because the, uh, the prices didn't go down. One of the, I believe that the CRP is tied to the farm bill. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but... It says um, it was signed into law by President Reagan in 1985, yep. the year I was born. Yep. It was the largest private lands con- conservation program in the United States. Yeah. and It says know, is, so it's not yeah. was, it is, it still happens. So essentially, um, this is farmland. And like I said... commodity. I think commodity prices, too, had a lot to do with it back in 2009 as they well. They were low. Because if they if the corn was really high back in two thousand nine and your CRP was up, like why on earth wouldn't you? You know, yeah. Go and farm why would it? yeah? Why would you risk it and just not get the money like, from the government? Farmers, you know, farmers know uh, farmers think with their wallets quite a bit. Exactly, you know? and it was a voluntary program. Yep. Essentially, is what it's saying here that that you was a voluntary participation by farmers and landowners. Uh, CRP is it's in, it's yeah. improved our water quality, reduced soil erosion, and increased habitat for endangered and threatened species. I mean, yeah. okay, so this is where I have a dilemma because this was this is a uh, was this a right or a left initiative? Well, is this a green? Would this be a green party initiative right now? Are they back in CRP? No, this could be a democratic. This could be an environmentalist policy. This is an environmentalist environmentalist policy when you carry the gun that they're trying to take away, essentially. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that a lot of uh, environmentalists really care about if you have a gun or not, because um, if you read any field and stream, you see that environmentalists and conservationists are making very strange bedfellows right now. Well, the thing about hunting and conservation is is that if you have overpopulation in an area, it starts to affect that population. Exactly. We've created a mess that hunting solves. Yeah, and hunters exactly. Hunters, no, hunters and environmentalists are starting to become more pragmatic towards each other, whereas the hikers are saying, hey, yeah, like, you know, I want to hike this area. But hunters are saying, hey, can we do, you know, game management population wise and that type of stuff so that we can keep this land, you know, doing well? Uh, a good example of this is uh, have you ever heard of the story of the wolves being reintroduced to Yellowstone? I uh, have not. Um, the wolves. Back in Yellowstone days, um, it was, you know, due to farming, due to, you know, ranchers picking off. Because wolves have, you know, huge range. Let's let's face it. Um, the wolves were almost all but it's extinct off of the Yellowstone, uh, off of Yellowstone. And what they out did the was they... Park. They were essentially the extinct, essentially, yeah. And... What they did was uh, they brought the wolves back and or they got a bunch of wolves from Canada and they, you know, released them onto Yellowstone. And what happened in Yellowstone was amazing. Um, The riverbanks, what happened was because there were no wolves, obviously there were a bunch of elk 
And then the elk would go around the riverbed and they eat the, you know, they'd pretty much eat everything off of the riverbed. So there was no grass in the shallow water at all. And if there was no grass in the shallow water, the fish wouldn't, you know, basically be able to To spawn or to live or to feed or 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 all that. Feed and all that. So there was an imbalance in the ecosystem essentially because the wolves weren't there. And so what happened was when they brought those wolves back, all of a sudden... The foraging went down. The elks uh, stopped going next to the riverbed because, let's face it, animals are lazy. Animals, you know, if they, they want can food just, and they want shelter, they want food, they want shelter, they want water. Exactly. If they that's, can that's stay near the basics of hunting, if they can stay near the water the entire time, and if they can without stay near the food and the water yeah. and the shelter, yeah, everyone's good. Yeah, exactly. They're just gonna stay there, and but if you, they just stay there and they're not being forced by an outside force, yeah, then. This, you know, that's an excellent. This is an excellent uh, yeah. uh, example because you took yeah. you took the predator out of an ecosystem essentially. Yep. Um, you know, and it says right here from 1995 yeah. to 1997, 41 wild wolves from Canada and the Northwest Montana were released into Yellowstone National Park. So they reintroduced wolves into they reintroduced a predator into in, yep. into Yellowstone. Yeah, and by doing that, they made the ecosystem the better. better. Yeah. So, so what what part do hunters play in that essentially in the plains of North Dakota? Um, population control, yeah, population control of deer, chronic, like let's uh, chronic wasting. Chronic waste. Let's talk about uh, what happens with. Uh, let's just talk about what happens with um, you know deer eating out the farmer eating the farmer's corn. Gratis you know? tags, like, right? Gratis tags are tags that farmers can get and they can shoot. Yep. If the deer are pissing on their hay, their cattle won't eat their hay. Yeah, they exactly. become a nuisance. It's a nuisance. Yeah, and. Um, You've got to keep it down. Lately, the numbers of deer, though, have been significantly down, and that's because CRP. The weather. Well, what, weather CRP? And, that, weather and CRP are right. probably the two biggest things. And, and pheasant population and, and grouse and, population, partridge population. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of shelter belts have been going down. Like well, That's what's crazy to me is because I come from central North Dakota, Minot area, um, you know, about 60, 70 miles north or south of uh, Saskatchewan, the Saskatchewan border yeah. in central North Dakota, and uh, there was... Just as many farmers, just as many, just as much land, just the same hustle and bustle of agriculture in that part of the state. And then now my wife's side of the family who farms in the northeastern part of the state lives up north by Hoople and, and Grand Forks or in the northeast yeah. part of North Dakota or even in Minnesota. Yeah. Let's say you're not from North Dakota and you're listening to this podcast in the central um, Dakotas, Minnesotas up yeah. in the northern part in the Canadian border. Yeah. There isn't a fucking tree row. For 300 miles, for 200 miles. Yeah. I won't say 300, I'll say 200 miles. And they, they cut them out. There's not a fucking tree. There yeah. is not a tree from Hillsboro, North Dakota. So from 50 miles south of the border yeah. to the Canadian border, there's not a tree. There's no habitat. There is nothing. And I seriously wonder if we're going to make the same mistakes that we made with the Dust Bowl back in the 1930s. Like, and that's what that, that's what that was about. They got rid of, of the reason we have shelter belts is because of that. And right now, I do believe that we're living in a very dangerous time. And you know what? It's not because of Trump or anything like that, or, you know, like the people want to say it's, in all reality, what I really want to say is that we're living in a dangerous time because nobody remembers. The, the fuck ups that they made by the, taking all the yeah, shelter the belts mistakes out. mistakes that we made in the Great Depression. The it's going to happen with nuclear weapons too. Like there's going to be nobody alive that remembers the horrors that we suffered. You know, yeah, from nuclear war. Well, not nuclear war, but just 
what it was like to drop the bomb on Japan. It's almost um, like this, what happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, it's almost know. like the psychosis to put it behind us and forget about it and pretend like it never happened. Or uh, even vaccinations, like it's the exact same thing that happens. Like I don't think people truly remember the horrors of those diseases prior that to vaccinations. Prior to vaccinations, yeah, you want to take a risk. And, and I've questioned a doctor about vaccinations. When I had when I first had my children, because yeah. I, I thought I was informed, and I was like, "Well, I watched this documentary that says that there's mercury and there's plenty of things, and it could cause autism." And she's like, "She just gave me this straight laced answer." She's like, "Okay, well, so what you're telling me is there's a one in a hundred thousand chance that something might happen, or whatever that's been proven or not proven. I don't know your yeah. I don't know your your where you got your information. Yeah. Who are your sources?" Yeah, she says, "But." If you don't, if we didn't have this, then one in three children would be affected by yeah. it. So she's like, so weigh your and options. You're paying yeah. me to be here. If you want to leave out that door right now, you can. And I was like, okay. Yeah. She was defensive because I think some other people had asked her in a different way. Oh, I yeah. was just curious. So, oh um, yeah, and like, there's do I there's think the that militant people out there exactly? Like, do and, I think that do I think that everything should be a little bit more open when it comes to software? We have open source. When it comes to yeah. medical, I think there should be open source medical as well. Yeah. But there's just it's not as easily depict or it's not easily deciphered as as essentially tech is. Yeah. So like these pharmaceutical companies and these and that's the problem. It's I don't know how to make fucking uh, I don't know how to make penicillin. Yeah. You know I don't know how to make fucking Prozac. Yeah. Do you know how much I'm not dihy- a chemist? Do you know how much dihydrate? Hydrogen monoxide you drink a day? Fuck no, like, I don't. Probably three to four glasses easily. Yeah. Oh, there no. you go. Yeah, exactly. H two O. Yeah, exactly. Monoxide. I do not know. Yeah, you know, I have no idea. That's the problem. No, I'm not a fucking no, chemist. I'm so. just talking about water. Yeah, like, you're talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because uh, there was actually an April everybody pool. that 100 percent of people yeah. that drink H two O die. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the meme. Yeah. What if? Uh, what if oxygen kills us, but it only takes 80 years? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the sun kills you or it saves you. What does it do? Nobody knows. Half of everyone says the sun saves you and the vitamin D, and then the other half saying that they kill you and put put this uh, causes you know, cancer. Cu- put this primary uh, source yeah, of light. Put this alo- aluminum fucking cream substance all over your body. No, that's a big. Uh, you I'm know. gonna wear my tinfoil hat when I come we, back here. We sometime. need to, yeah. and we need to break all of our beer bottles and wine bottles <laughs> so the government can't drink. They can't. They can't track and put and put records on how much we've drank. Yeah. <laughs> but I, we definitely need to get back on this, Sam. Yep. I, I, I definitely. Um. You know. I. I really. I'm so confused by it, and 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 I'm trying to be a more organized person. I'm trying to writing things down. I'm trying to learn. I've I've learned a lot. You're very knowledgeable in this, and it's very interesting to me. And and I, my want for knowledge is yeah. just gaining every day that I get a little bit older. You know, it's fun, ain't it? It is very fun, and, and and I really have to ask you, like, do you see, um, do you see a political future? Do you see yourself running for a position? If so, what would that position be? If you could have any position from um, city council, you know, or. Uh, you know, um, even city engineer as coming from an electrical yeah. and mechanical engineering standpoint to the president of the United States, yeah. if you could choose one political seat, um, what would it be and what would you change tomorrow? No. Realistically, I'd like to probably be um, – try to tr- start out my career on the city council or something like that. I think that I can learn a lot more about how – taxing works about how our budget works about how you know we can we can uh you know 
run the day-to-day government and that type of stuff. But ultimately, uh, my position in the military, I believe, they don't really like military positions and civilian positions, obviously, because, you know, you get too many of those, then you end up with a coup or something like that. (laughs) But uh, realistically, I would say that my long-term goals is to probably run for the House or Senate in the state of North Dakota. Um, If... God willing, everything goes perfectly. I'd love to be governor. Like, yeah, you know, it's not wrong to have some goals or how many times, how, how often do you think about that? I, I like to think that I would, you know, I think I could do a lot of good in Bismarck if I went, but there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of obstacles to that. One, you need money in this post. uh, You have a family to support. I've got you a family. Have connections. You, you know. Connections. Uh, I believe that. But you're you know, gaining connections. That's what you're yeah. doing. That's I mean, why you're on this podcast. That's why you're here to talk about this. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're, we're, we're making people aware. Networking, doing all of that. You know, um, one of the things that I really would like to. Yeah, really back to the question. What yeah. would you. So, aside from it, not where you would start, but ideally you'd be the governor. Okay. The governor of North if Dakota I, on, um, on January, yeah. uh, 26, Yeah. Uh, tomorrow. Let's go 20, uh, let's go 2028 just for the heck of it. You want to go into the future? <laughs> let's go into the future. So 2028. 2028. Sam <laughs> Wagner, governor of North Dakota. You wake up in the morning, you know, you, uh, shake it off. You know, Do your yoga or your yeah. uh, your jog, your PT for the morning. Then what does Sam Wagner change on the first day of office in 2028? Declare martial law in Fargo. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All the no. beer goes to my house. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I'd say, yeah, if the blue laws aren't repealed, I'd like to try and uh, push that type of stuff. Separation of church and state. Exactly. Um, another thing I would like to do is, you know... Uh, Try to make sure that we're planning for the future. Education would be a top priority. Uh, making sure that teachers have all of you know all of the the pay that they deserve. Exactly. And, the, uh, and basically are treated properly. Are, are they treated have properly. they have the. Uh, I, I think that they um, should the have supplies, the liberties, the that, supplies that they need. Yeah, the exactly. supplies that they need. And then uh, furthermore, I think that uh, teachers should have a little bit more liberty um, in teaching the way that they want to teach. Yeah, um, trying to find this 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 like national guideline or this this yeah. these certain guidelines or these uh, credentials or these tests that they have to essentially prepare these children for is complete yeah. bullshit. The no child left behind federal tests have been eliminated, thank God. Which so, was instilled by Bill Clinton. That was instilled by uh, George W. Bush. George actually. W. Bush, yep. but then r- um, later enforced by Bill Clinton or not? Nope, Bush was after Clinton. Remember. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. George W. Bush, no child left behind. Um, was George oh, Bush, George yeah. W. Uh, so it was Bush, then, George, or Bush Clinton, George W. Yeah, Bush Clinton, George w. w. Bush. Yeah. Then Obama. No, no, I know, then, but I'm saying, but no child left behind was actually after Bill Clinton. Yes, oh. it was. Oh, for um, some reason, I didn't know that. That was one of the key pieces of legislation passed, I believe, either in 2001 or 2002. I'd probably have to. Yeah. But anyways, essentially, what what yeah. child no child left behind act two thousand two two thousand two is right. our children learning? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a uh, George W. Bush with two African American children on a by a chalkboard. That's what yeah. comes up. No child 
left behind. Left behind. <laughs> the diversity is in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, George W. Bush. So that's gone. Yep. Because uh, it was bullshit or what? Well, one of, the, one of the biggest problems with No Child Left Behind was that your federal funding would go away if your test scores dropped. Now, this was a flaw in the system because, okay, let's say – Let's say you're a freaking awesome school. Like, this was designed with, say, the 68% test passes yeah. in a urban community. Sure. You know, hey, if you uh, get to 60, you they're know, setting the bar. You're setting the lowest part of the bar. Then you get to 75, yeah. and then you're good. If you don't but test now, better than the worst school in the United States, you're not getting yeah. funding. Now, let's talk about, um, but here's where it got tricky. Now, let's say, you're actually a pretty good school. Your kids uh, passed with 98% or 98% of your kids passed the federal exam. Now let's say next year, 97% pass. You don't get funding. Yeah. Because now put stipulations on. Now, now don't get me wrong. You still did good. Like it was an anomaly, but let's face it. 98, 99% isn't sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Trying to put yeah. bounds on education is the problem. And yeah. trying to educate all children the same is the problem. And and, and treating yeah. children that don't learn the same way as other children, yeah. I think, is the problem. You have visual learning. Exactly. And, and it kind of stemmed from when I, when I, uh, my, from what I can remember in my later elementary, early junior high years is how do you learn? Are you an auditory yeah. learner? Are you a visually, le- are you a visual learner? Yeah. You know, uh, trying to set a standard for, uh, 330 million fucking people well, and their children is not a lot. It's, it's not doable it, well, in, in, in the way, in my opinion. And the other thing about it too, is that, um, you're basically looking at, uh, you know, these schools that you have, they have to accept the people with learning disabilities. They have to expect or accept the disabled, you know, the disabled. They have to ex- or accept people that don't speak English necessarily. Yeah. The and, ADD epidemic you know, the, that may or may, may or not even exist. Who um, knows? And then, you know, and this is another issue that pops up, especially with uh, Betsy DeVoe, the current administration's nominee for secretary of education and this is a big there's a she's she's coming under a lot of fire yes she is um this is something i really wanted and, you to, to talk on too and well here's the issue with it is that um when you're talking about charter schools and you're talking about private schools these pr- charter schools and private schools hey if you don't pay attention or you don't you know meet their academic standards kicked out if you don't you know if you have a learning disability, they don't out. have to accept you. The if best you, of the yeah, best. Yeah, like the best of the best. But and that's then fucked you, up because yeah, you, and then you compare that, yeah. if you're comparing that to a public school, you're comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, like, it doesn't it doesn't happen. I watched a documentary where yeah. the, there was a private school in uh, I believe it was in um, uh, in New York yeah. where across the street was a project and then there was this school. Yeah. And 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 there was education comes with money and money yeah. comes with education but uh, just and, the judgment alone back yeah. to what you were saying you can you can't you can't there's there's people with money that can go to private schools and there's people that essentially are just going to go to public schools i don't yeah. know too many people that went to private schools private schools for me means religious school yeah. well i actually did go to a private school i went to sacred heart uh 
Sacred Heart Elementary from uh, first to fifth grade, or and that, from kindergarten to fifth grade. And that grade. cost your parents some money. That cost my parents some money. and At the, at um, the tune of what, $1,500 a, a year? To be totally honest, I have no idea what tuition was for In them. the general just, vicinity of 1000 to $1,500 um, a year? All I know is that, well, during Probably the Grand Forks years, we were, we, uh, we scrimped by, you know, yeah. we did, you know, so to be honest, I don't know what type of sacrifices my parents made, you know, do you feel like that, and, do you feel like coming from a private school that you, uh, that set um, you up as a, but uh, yeah, it was typically a religious school, but Catholic, Catholic. it was Catholic. Um, and I won't ever, uh. I won't ever regret my years there or anything like that. Like it was pretty good. We had pretty good textbooks and all that. Uh, never really, we never really got into the crazy stuff. Now I was actually reading about a biblical charter school that only taught biblical math and like sure. infinite sets yeah. didn't exist because God is the only thing that is yeah. infinite. Yeah. Pi is equal to three because the Bible says so. Yeah. Like, big, you know, yep. And, and it's weird that religion is the only thing. Okay, so now, uh, you know, a mi- half a mile away at the end of the yeah. street, they're building the the uh, small child children's development um, center um, in my neighborhood. Um, and then they also have like the um, there's also like a private pre preschool situation. Yeah, but it's just odd to me that the the um, the churches are the only people that um, you know got involved in the. Pre- when you think private school in North Dakota, you think Catholic. Right. So when you think Catholic, you think Republican. When you think Catholic, you think money. The funny thing about Catholic, though, is that... Why is it that only only religious people were making private schools? Especially even uh, when you go more out east, like New York and that type of stuff, the Catholics aren't necessarily um, 100% Republican. Uh, Which my grandma would attest for. She's a Catholic and she's very very democratic. Um, there are there are there are a lot of democratic catholics and um like for example John Kerry was catholic actually yeah. secretary of state former presidential candidate yeah um and but really i'm going to go george carlin on you on this one i'll never i'll never <laughs> talk you out of that um <laughs> but the reason the religious people they want you to pray in school. They want you to do all that is because they're going to get your children because they need to get your children, you know, yeah. in that type of sense. So, like, yeah, offer them, pay like, for it, and then uh, so that then they you got, enter back into the church. Then you got new believers and you got yeah. the church coffers filled for another generation, you know. It's it's it's, it's, it's you crazy. Know, you don't hear them talking about praying at the train station or anything like that, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a machine. <laughs> it's a yeah. fucking education machine. Yeah. So I would like to But I will say the Jesuits in uh the Cath- the Catholic has a sector of them called the Jesuits and the Jesuits are basically a sect that's dem- that's uh dedicated to finding like God through nature and sure. that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh the Pope, Pope Francis is actually a Jesuit. Sure. Um and they actually, when they're Catholic schools and stuff, you know, they teach evolution. They teach all that stuff. You know, their science is still pretty much un, you know, un. 
And that's what I mentioned in the beginning, yeah. in the beginning, in the first part of the podcast. Like, how does something that is enacted in things that we followed in the early 1900s, things are changing more quickly. It's compounding. Yeah. You know, so very true. That's it's it's crazy to see the evolution of all of these things. Um, you know, but I, yeah, remnants of it you see still still linger to this day. And it's it religion, uh, politics, pretty much all the things that you're not supposed to talk about when you're drinking beer. Yeah. Right, but we did it, and I think we, we did, did it with drinking we, beer. We it's drank good. beer, and I think we did it good. And I, I, I think that all we did with this podcast is open up a whole bunch of fucking, whole, open up a whole bunch of gates. I would love to come back. I and, would love to yeah. have you back. Um, we definitely need to, we definitely need to see you back. Um, we definitely, uh, I don't even think we realized what we were digging into when we did this. Um, yeah. I think we need to try to section off each of the things that we talked about. Um, and, and, and really try to delve into it. And, and history is very interesting and politics is very interesting. And when I have the time to sit down with somebody that's passionate about it, I'm never going to turn that up. Um, I might not show it in my everyday life. I might not play, I might not speak it or, or even, uh, you know, but the thing is, I'm, I might not be too vocal about things in my personal life, but as I learn about things, I get excited. I get the ADD hyper focus about certain things, and and I just I can't. I want to learn everything about it. And how I feel right now is I want to learn everything about North Dakota politics. You know a lot about North Dakota politics. Yeah, um, we haven't even really talked about like too even much the bills or anything exactly. that come up. Like so, and what happened? Yeah, we need to talk yeah. about the bills. Um, we need to talk about uh, what President Trump. Yes. Uh, you you are on you are you're on the Democratic side of the NPL. Um, so I just I've, I've and uh, just to give you one more pitch, uh, NPL Roundtable Roundtable um, NPL Facebook. I will try to be yeah posting will, more I'll, and more content uh, as the days if, go on. If you align with Sam and if you align with what he's talking about, or if you just want to support an alternative um, party or or, or, or just we ideals, support weed. We, yeah, we support. They're all about the weed. So if you're into weed, which I'm into cannabis, uh, I don't know who else is into cannabis. Um, I would support it 100. percent um, God damn it! I could talk another 45 minutes just about weed. Yeah, you know, uh, or just about uh, cannabis, not marijuana, because marijuana was a term depicted by, um, you know, yeah. uh, by Hearst. Uh, was at marijuana? Uh, just just a quick tip was actually a Mexican tobacco. It was a wild Mexican tobacco called marijuana. Um, you know, um, William was it William uh, William Hurst owned all of the. Uh, he essentially was he owned a bunch of the uh, newspaper uh, and um, newspaper companies and uh, also the forcing companies who made the paper for the newspapers that he owned. Hemp came out. Hurst said, uh, "I don't have millions of dollars to make this. Uh, you know, to to compete with this." Um, this plant that that can essentially do everything better. Yeah. Um, he came out and said that uh, marijuana makes people uh, uh, it lowers their inhibitions and they reefer madness. Reefer madness, <laughs> and your and your in your children, your daughters, and your wives could get raped by Mexicans and African Americans. So therefore, uh, marijuana is legal. Marijuana didn't even exist. Yeah. It was actually cannabis sativa, delta nine tetrahydrocannabinol. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to get down to, uh, to the chemical side of it. Um, and he pretty much said, uh, you know, uh, not only does this hemp, which hemp and cannabis are two different things, are two different strands, they, there's no psychoactivity yeah. uh, in cannabis, uh, I'm going to outlaw fucking everything. Let's, this, this crazy ditch yeah. marijuana uh, rape drug, we yeah. got to get it in, we got to get it into one, one big fucking, yeah. one big, you know, one big pot, 
the pot. Yeah. That's why we call it the pot, and we got to legalize it. So anyway, next time on... We're going to talk about weed. Anything, we'll talk about weed. We're going to we'll talk, talk about, about the state house. We'll talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> well, I, we're going to talk a little bit about Trump, and I want to end out on the podcast. I want you to say three negative things about Trump, and then I want you to say three positive things about Trump. <laughs> Can you do that? Number Can one, tr- positive or negative thing about Trump. First, ill-tempered. Um, unprofessional. Unprofessional doesn't even begin to describe it. Uh, okay, uh, one positive trait about Donald Trump. I'll give him credit. He's got swagger. He <laughs> does. He uh, he has a demeanor about him that is not only in, uh, intimidating at the right time, but also uh, very powerful, you would say. Well, it's a cult of personality is what I would call it. There you go. Uh, one more. Okay, number two, negative thing about Trump. Well, uh, he has access to nukes. <laughs> <laughs> Within four minutes, which Hillary Clinton informed us. A positive thing about Donald Trump. Let's see here. Number two. I think it, I This think is tough base, for you. Huh? I think his base is well-meaning. Base as in? His his, uh, his, dem- his supporters are well-meaning. You think that the people that voted for Trump are well-meaning? I'd say the majority of them are. You don't think that they're the um, ignorant, racist, uh, money-grubbing, um, heartless pieces of shit that, that a lot of people try to depict them as? No, I wouldn't put it as that. You um, can't. You you don't. You don't. You aren't. You can't choose what you're born into. Yes, I understand that. I think what it was is that. Yes, they want to send a message and a wrecking ball to society, you know, like to basically say, hey, we're here. We've been neglected. Um, One of the best ways to describe it is that in 2008, Barack Obama actually had a very uh, a very astute observation about what you've heard of the term Pennsylvania, right? No. Pennsylvania refers to the uh, middle part of um middle part of Pennsylvania that's extremely rural, but if you just looked at it from the outside without even really glancing, you'd uh, it has the values of Kentucky and as conservative as Kentucky, sure. so they call it Pennsylvania. But he basically said, he goes, you know, these guys, they've had Bill Clinton promise them shit. They've had George W. promise them stuff. And no parties really pulled through for them. So they basically cling to guns, God and religion, like because of the fact that America, fuck yeah, that's all you've got. That's right. Literally. That's right. I'm going to grab my lunchbox. I'm going to fucking go to work. I'm going to come home, take my fucking boots off, drink my beer, drink my Budweiser. That's right. Drink my Budweiser, kiss my kids to bed, which is called America. That's right. Even though it's (laughs) not American anymore, they they named it America, but it's not America. Um, Question three, negative thing about Trump. Everybody in his cabinet is either unqualified or at odds with the administration, minus probably the VA clinic person that he nominated and the Secretary of Agriculture. How about Mad Dog? Huh? How about the Mad Dog? Mad Dog doesn't seem too bad. His only issue that he has is that he can't um, technically serve as Secretary of Defense because he hasn't been retired from the military long enough. And one of the stipulations of the cabinet position of the Secretary of Defense is that um, 
you basically have to be retired from the military for, I think, six years. And he retired from the military in 2013. So he's got a couple of years. Yeah. So what's your basically Can't Donald Trump just write an executive order to change that? No, you actually need a congressional waiver to do that. It's you think act- they could get that now been, that the majority, the congressional majority it's been, is. Pe- it's been done once. Um, and that was for, uh, I believe his name was Robert Mathis. He was the secretary of defense under, I believe either Eisenhower or Truman. And so it can but, be done. But what happened was, was that, Robert Mathis was actually Secretary of State before he was in, he was actually in a cabinet position before he joined the military for World War II and the the Secretary of Defense position I believe wasn't created until the late 40s or the early 50s like this wasn't one of the original cabinet positions like uh you know Secretary of Treasury Secretary of State uh, Postmaster General. So he can't those... act. So so um, Mad Dog. Matt. What's his name? Mad Dog Mathis. Um, John McCain said that he might, or that he might be uh, able to get a waiver for that one pushed through. But I don't know. It it kind of. Uh, Have we heard about this in in, mod- yeah. in media or anything like that? Has anyone? Um, Mad Dog, as far as I know, hasn't really. Uh, I don't think he's had his congressional hearing yet, and I don't think – I think they're trying to do the waiver part right now. So what then, are you telling me? They're trying to get him in because he's he he, he served to, uh, he served in 2013. You have to be out of the – why do you have to be out of the military for a certain amount of time to be a part of the fucking um, – to, to command the military? Um, what That's want, like saying that yeah. you have to quit – fucking um coca-cola well okay? what well before what? you can run coca-cola well for six years here, you have to be out of a business well you, six here, a lot can happen in six years here's the idea of why this is why they want the military out of this um you have all of the adjacent generals that the, the guy who is the secretary of the air you know who runs the Air Force, the Adjutant General of the Marines, the Adjutant uh, Admiral of the Navy, and whatnot. Those guys are actually your top military brass, and those guys are always going to be in your war room when you know anything hits the fan. Um, the intention of the Secretary of Defense is to basically have a civilian representative so that the civilian's interests are representative or are represented in a time of war. Okay. So yeah. basically what they want to say is that it's what want, the people want, not what the commanders or yeah, the, the high ranking officials want. Yeah. The commanders might say, so hey, you have to, yeah, that's their way of saying say, you have to be a civilian. You yeah. have to technically become a civilian of six years yeah. out of the military with no connection to the military yeah. to become the secretary of defense, essentially. And in a way that makes sense it does because make sense. you just, right. You want to make sure that the civilian input is put in there That's as right. well because, exactly. you know, you don't know. Like a military general might see 200,000 casualties as, you know, just part of taking Japan or taking, you know, Germany if yeah. we're talking in a World War II scenario. Yes. But a civilian might say, hey, like, or uh, remember uh, when we dropped the bomb on Japan and they basically say it would um, save – two million casualties and end the war in you know a couple years it's that type of decisions that we'd want the civilian population or a representative of the civilian population makes a lot of sense i had no idea 
All right, question three. What's ending? <laughs> what's one other positive thing about about uh, not even just about? So I'm not going to say personally about Donald Trump, about Donald Trump administration. I'm going to say that he uh, he eliminated the Trans Pacific uh, Partnership through an executive order. And I believe that actually affects us in a lot of ways that wasn't really made clear to the public. Um, a good Bernie Sanders actually supports the uh, tr- or supports uh, getting out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, there's several pros and cons to it. And I'll tell you, the first con is that it probably would have pumped about $4 billion into the agriculture industry because it would have opened up new markets. So to, we could have sold our agriculture to those to uh, other com- like the Philippines, Indonesia, rice, wheat, um, or excuse me, well, wheat. Durham. Yeah, and then the South American market was also another part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. It was twenty nations, I believe, all over the Pacific, basically. But there were some underlying and issues with that as well. However, now here's where the here's where the bad part comes in. Um. It's basically NAFTA on steroids for anybody with manufacturing or that type of stuff. Um, it also has intellectual property rights. Um, do you remember uh, SOPA and CISPA? Oh yeah, yep. Um, there were a lot. There was a lot of language in uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership that had. Uh, um, yeah, SOPA, just for the rest of you, if you're not aware of it, was the Stop Online Piracy Act, and CISPA was the, what, um, Censor Internet? Yeah. Pornographer? The, hold on, yeah. So SOPA was the Stop Iloc- uh, Online Piracy Act. CISPA is with C. Oh, excuse me. This it's is how right. much I don't know about this. No, it's fine. And CISPA was the Cyber, Cyber Intelligence Sharing and Protection Act. A law now, proposed in the United States would allow for the sharing of internet traffic information between the U.S. government and technology and manufacturing companies. Yeah, so... So they could spy on you to market towards you. Exactly. And SOPA was also basically uh, a way to um, get your broadband companies to... Uh, they would, or they would report the usage of their customers. You would report usage to the government, yeah. which then could give it to industries and. No, not even no. that. It was a little more sinister than that in ways. Um, so say uh, Comcast. Uh, Comcast owns N- MSNBC, and a bunch of NBC, Universal, and all that. But they're also a large cable internet provider. Now. Let's say they don't like Fox News or something like that or CNN. Now, they can on their cut internet, them off. on their internet, you can go see foxnews.com. Doesn't but, matter, yeah. But you mean it's going to take edit, five, no, it's going to take 5 to 10 minutes to buffer. Oh, that's what it was They're going to throttle it. Oh, I um, see. I one see. of the things that happened recently was uh Comcast actually tried to strong arm Netflix because they were using so much of the internet traffic bandwidth, yeah. and tr- so much bandwidth and say, Hey, you know, you either have to pay us to start, you know, using your bandwidth. And basically what this would have done was effectively end net neutrality and net neutrality basically states that every single website receives the same amount of attention you can download this what this website about crabs um 
just as well as you can download Facebook. Yeah. You know, you can't throttle yeah. anything. Leather working as opposed to, um, you know, yeah. uh, and if you, Twitter. you know, like say Comcast came up with a web, you know, a search engine and then strangled Google. And but said, isn't Google doing that? Hasn't Google been kind of called out on like putting certain things up other than certain things? But it's not proven. Uh, so how does this? So this tie, how does? So how does this tie? This ties to a. Uh, so basically, what they would have positive done. Of, of what they would have. So basically, what have they done with the plant with the Trans Pacific Partnership? Was um, one of the other parts of the agreement was to you know stop some child stop child labor stop human trafficking but by using that they dressed up some fancy stuff and used it under the guise of hey um we can also throttle your intellectual property and give some corporations who have you know who sign on to this act immunity if they throttle you know if yeah. they throttle your internet service. they figured out a way to manipulate the they found a way to do it around congress sure. and the other thing about the trans-pacific partnership was all of this was negotiated without the consent of the american public without the consent you know a lot of this was behind closed doors we weren't even sure if we were going to get you know even a copy of this that reporters and people could look at before Congress even voted on it so that the media could even Does that happen people. a lot? Does a lot of things happen behind the curtain like that? And how do, um, how do we allow that to happen? I think in a way, like... Is it under like a privacy, yeah. trade trade policy and things like this? Is you it know, under privacy? Some things... Very in, briefly. Yeah, some things in Congress do happen behind closed doors. And um, a lot of that... Is just party jockeying. It's sure. Nancy Pelosi and you know John Boehner, you know going back and forth saying, "Hey, if you do this, I'll support this. If you do that, that's happened in democracy for years, like since George Washington and standing the out and talking yeah. and yelling, standing on your soapbox and." Well, no, it's even just you scratch my back on this, I'll scratch, scratch your you. back. It's I'll, getting things done. Yeah. It's essentially working together with the opposition. And that or, happens. Or other countries or things like that. But when you start inviting money and you start inviting, you know, when you start inviting, pow you know, powerful lobbyists from sure. different corporations, yeah. then I would start saying, hey. There's influences you know, that, there's aren't, influences that aren't in the, that um, aren't in the best, best interest, interest of, of the, the people. people. So then we got to start, you know, looking at that. And that's what the NPL is, is in the best interest of the people. That's what we want to be. So that's, the, that's our everything goal. that we've talked about tonight. Sum that number, up in yeah. the interests of the people. What is, we don't even have a number. Yep. So get your last quote and your last, and then get your plug. This it's not even one, a quote. Second one in our, uh, second one in our, uh, in our, by, or in our bylaws. Right. NPL requires elected officials to demonstrate high ethical standards of transparency. And our last one, NPL must reject any monies from super PACs, corporations, or organized groups. So uh, bread and butter politics. For the people, by, by the, the people. people. Progressive yet accessible. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Roundtable NPL. Sam Wagner. Thank you very much for coming on, Sam. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We're going to have you back on very soon. Yes. Um, we, we, we essentially ran by a bunch of exhibits and... Uh, just looked at one and looked at one aspect of them. Um, we want to dig more into these. I want to learn more about politics. 
Um, Sam knows more about politics than I do. Um, Roundtable NPL, thank you very much, Sam, for coming on the show. Thank Everybody you very much, Everybody have Brenton. a great evening. Good night. Yep.